Happy New Year, Pumpkinheads. You'll be hearing our Merry Star of the Sea episode shortly, but first, we have some new Patreon members to thank. Thank you to Craig Smith, Rob D. at FooCow, Evangelina, a.k.a. at underscore gliss underscore underscore on Instagram, Chris Dragon, Dean Schaefer, or Schaffer, Naheeb Saad, Brian Ross, and a special thanks to Carlos David Glass for increasing his pledge. Also, a special thanks to Frank Ortega for recently sending us some Zwan files we desperately needed. Thank you, Frank. Thanks to everyone who signed up for our Patreon. You can sign up anytime at patreon.com slash smashingpumpcast. Cast is spelled K-A-S-T. We got a lot of goodies coming up. Sometimes you get early access to episodes. You'll be getting our Beyond the Patch episodes, which is uh, where we pick three of our favorite songs that we're listening to recently and talking about them. And of course, you'll get first dibs on merch when that's available. But now you can buy our very own Smashing Pumpcast t-shirts designed by our very own Pat O'Brien. You can find the link to those in the show notes or in the bio of our social media. All right, pumpkin and swan heads, let's get on with the show. You know, it's like how kids talk about baseball players. That's how we talk about albums. Everyone's always so busy kissing New York and L.A.'s butt. We don't we don't do cocaine together. Me mm, gusta porno. That's the eternal question. That's all you're gonna get. You're just gonna have to wait. Whatever we can do, we will, because we're good like that. It's the Smashing Pumpcast. I'm Frank Garcia Hale. I'm Pat O'Brien, and Zwan season has really it's it's coming to a climax right now because we are so excited to be talking about the one and only Zwan album, Mary Star of the Sea. But we're even more excited to be joined by our good, good friend, Alex Scordellis, who we've mentioned before because he's been sort of a silent like a producer, producer yeah. of the, the Pumpcast. He's gotten us more than what he's he's facilitated the booking of more than one guest. Yeah. He tipped us off to Fruit Bat's Siamese Dream album, yep. um, sent us an article which just happened to have his management in there. We bing, bang, boom, emailed the management. Put a good word for us too, I think. Yeah. Probably, yeah. <laughs> and then um, he was old friends with Lauren English, who was, uh, you know, in the 1979 and Perfect videos. So we talked to her, thanks to Alex. And also, it just kind of in our friend group seems to, <laughs> seems to be the one who generally cares the most about what we're doing here with <laughs> yes. our, our humble pump cast. So we're really excited to have Alex here. I should also just say um, Alex is a great comedy writer. We all met, um, you know, doing that in the comedy world. Also, you're like a, a writer, writer, a journalist. You've, you know, for various um, publications over the years, many of them music. And I'll also just say he's a member, a proud member of Eagle Rock's number one Neil Young cover band, The Cinnamon Boys. Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Alex Frank. Cordellis. Thank oh guys, yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much for having me on the Pumpcast. It's a thrill to be on with you guys. Yes, yeah, um, we're yeah, we're so stoked to have you. Um, so yeah, we've we've all known each other for a long time. Um, you are you're a big big music fan. Yes, and you are you know you've you've profiled some interesting people and sort of written about. We're gonna read your an early piece you wrote <laughs> about Zwan later, but yeah. Um, yeah, tell us about just like kind of your your life as a writer and how it's intersected with um, 
music. Yeah, well, I'm like, you know, first of all, in college, uh, I was the, the music critic for my college newspaper and also like wrote articles for them as well. That's sort of like how I got my start. And I know you have, were on your college radio station. Yeah. Did you do college music I stuff? Did, uh, not music, but I had a, um, what do you call it? Closed circuit, the TV, campus TV show. Yes. It was oh, yeah. called um, Pass the Hot Sauce Dog Man. <laughs> where we would play. It was like live, but then we would cut to videos. Were and you stuff. the dog man or who was the? It was, um, dog man was in reference to um, my friend Andrew, who's like the most mild mannered person in the world. So we, th- we took to, uh, it, somehow his nickname became Dog Man. So it was just like a quote, you know, Pass yes. the Hot Sauce Dog Man. I but, love it. So you, we were all in college media. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, college media world. Uh, yeah. I think you guys told me you were launching this podcast a while back and you asked me about coming on and I was like, to be honest, man, I'm a huge swan head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so you, if you guys get to Zwan, like, give me a ring. Yeah. And uh, yeah, in my, for my college newspaper, I reviewed the Zwan album. Uh, I loved it. So yeah, from there, after college, I moved to New York like we all did. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the music critic, and I was a contributing editor at Paper Magazine for a long time. Nice. Uh, Wrote a bunch of stuff for them over the years. And, yeah, continued writing about music. Uh, Up until through the pandemic, I wrote um, a couple profiles for the L.A. Review of Books, one on Jeff Tweedy and one on Kim Gordon. Um, So, yeah, I still, to this day, even though I'm like, day job is comedy writing, I dip my toe in the music journalism waters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean... We we thought it would be fun if you read us the review or or however much of it you want to, but yeah, you did, you did bring along your review. I brought but, it because like when, I, when you guys told me you were going to get to Zwan on the podcast, I was like, I wonder if this review is still online. I don't keep like old news. You don't keep your, your clippings. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'll read it. It's three paragraphs. I think you guys talked about in the episode about the Glasshouse show um, the context in which Zwan came into being. Right. And I think like reading, what it was like 18, 17 years ago. Uh, so like rereading this three paragraph review of Mary Star of the Sea, uh, which I loved and it comes through in the review. Um, you, you get sort of a sense of like what was happening in the music world at the time. Right. Oh yeah. Also, this is very embarrassing because I like, I reread it and this writing <laughs> is not great uh, to my current standards of writing, but I'll dive into it. So yeah. Uh, Zwan, Mary Star of the Sea on the reprise label. Um, so turn on any modern rock radio station these days and you're likely to hear the unmistakable voices of either Chris Cornell, Kurt Cobain, or Billy Corgan. No, you haven't stepped into a time warp sending you back to 1994. Modern rock is just in the midst of a 1990s alternative rock revival. Corgan is the latest to enter the fold with his latest project, Zwan. First of all, I use the word latest twice in that last sentence, which is not good writing. <laughs> but in terms of context, so I looked it up and like um, in November of 2002, Audio Slave released yeah. their debut. So Cornell had not, that was like his first hit band since Soundgarden, since like 96. And the Nirvana song, You Know You're Right, yep. also came out about a month or two before Zwan did. Hey, 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 hey. 
so that was a number one single as well. I remember this too because yeah. like it, I was in college and they would, ha- you know, like in the dining hall and whatever, all over there would have these like TVs that were just tuned to like MTVU, yes. you know, where it was <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. just videos basically and maybe like MTV news, but. So yeah, it was like there were all these '90s characters and have like Audio Slave. That one video was on all the time. Oh, yeah, the one where they're in the desert and it's like all the yeah. like sparks. It's like sparks raining on them. It's yeah. like they're in some like steel factory. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, they got in trouble because the, the explosions were so loud that like it, the people thought that there was a terrorist attack happening <laughs> in the neighborhood. It was so. I mean, that's another. I mean, like they were slaves to the, the audio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the worst band names of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, it's not. I, I wasn't a big Audio Slave fan. No, personally. now I was a big Soundgarden fan. So huge right. Soundgarden fan. I didn't like Audio Slave at the time. Now, like in a funny way, I'm like, oh, this band. I like, could appreciate them. I appreciate I mean, them. Yeah, I like. If it comes on the radio now, I'm like, hell yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. at the time, I was like, yeah, no. Um, so the next paragraph in the review is a. Uh, <laughs> Corgan, the singer, songwriter, tyrant responsible. Oh, it's a dig. Responsible <laughs> for catapulting the Smashing Pumpkins to fame and fortune, only to induce the band's self destruction in 2000, has assembled an all star lineup for his latest venture. The new outfit features Corgan on guitar and vocals, Pumpkins drummer Jimmy Chamberlain, Paz Chanton of A Perfect Circle on bass, Matt Sweeney of Chavez, and Dave Paho of Slint and Taurus on guitar. By recruiting already respected and talented new bandmates for Zwan, Corgan has created a band with more integrity than, say, the mega merger of Cornell and the remaining members of Rage Against the Machine in Audio Slave. Um, it's a fine paragraph. Uh, <laughs> Zwan's full-length release, Mary Star of the Sea, succeeds because it's the first cohesive collaboration of equals Corgan has participated in since the Pumpkin Siamese Dream. You guys would know better for me if my take on that is true. That's my take from whatever, 2003. Collaboration of equals meaning, like, since um, the, who, the people who laid on that album specifically or yeah that he's like i'm gonna consider all of you no because uh simon's dream was all him basically except for him and jimmy and then melancholy and adore were the like true well of the band played on those more than yeah melancholy especially is like the pumpkins proper yes where like every member is playing and like they have live recordings and then adore uh even though jimmy was gone you have Billy, James, and Darcy playing their parts. Otherwise, it's all pretty much Billy. Yes. I had a hunch that 21-year-old me was wrong there, and I Although, knew you guys would fact-check me. <laughs> Machina, Machina, too, was a little bit like uh, Melancholy, too, where they were playing the band members, except for the bass, because Darcy left right. and Melissa wasn't part of the band yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Who, but who knows? It's it's unclear to it's me a how little, much yeah. Darcy played on Machina. It's but you know. I think they, they, I those think parts got re-recorded. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So in the so it goes back to the review. In the liner notes to Mary Corgan bills himself as Billy Burke, a Florida televangelist. Uh, perhaps the name change is due to the songs on Mary being more upbeat, uplifting, and straightforward than anything Corgan has done before. I probably shied away from saying that it's, they're like overtly religious. Um, yeah. Some of them are, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, these songs are ready-made for rock radio and mixtapes mix exchanged between boyfriends and girlfriends. With song titles like Baby Let's Rock, it's a mystery as to whatever happened to the Just a Rat in a Cage Corgan, but on Mary, the sunnier Corgan is a welcome change. So that was my review. I like nice. it. Yeah, it's review. good. I think it's fair. I think it's, uh, yeah, yeah, but Kitten's got claws in some parts, <laughs> but uh, well, it was, cha-cha. You were learning to be a music journalist at the time, so it's like that was sort of the common consensus, and still is, on Billy, is like 
you know, the tyrant thing. Yeah, the tyrant thing was a little dig. I do think it's interesting to me that you probably know it's like the politics of being a college music journalist or college rock radio is that if this was a Pumpkins album, this is, I'm being super honest, I would have written a negative review because they weren't cool. And I think that the addition of these like indie rock legends into his band made it okay for a college rock journalist to like this band. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we kind of um, talked a little bit about that. Oh cred, yeah, the cred yeah. that comes along with Paho yeah. and uh, um, Sweeney. I don't think a college newspaper would have even reviewed a Pumpkins album at this point. I think that like, to be brutally honest, it's, it's a pure snobby, superficial thing. I'm like looking at this in hindsight, like yeah. that's how we all behaved then. <laughs> yeah, right. You, as a college uh, record reviewer, you have to be a snob. You yeah, have to be course. a snob and obscure. <laughs> like uh, it's also now it's been a while since the since the first in iteration of the Pumpkins, but they were a recent huge band. To it would have probably felt redundant. To, you know, it's like they were a well covered band for yeah. ten years. Yeah, like, what are you going to you know? do? Cover you too? You know, exactly. Like for, yeah, yeah, right. Um, so yeah, so that was the review. I think that uh, yeah, I think a, a part of the big reason I liked it is he had brought these new people into the fold who had so much credit. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it a complicated thing for, in terms of people who would be tempted to dismiss it. Um, yeah, it really, it it rock sort of uh, people with like some like snobbier rock tastes. It's, it's a very difficult band to completely (laughs) disown. Yeah. They are like a major label thing with like, seemed like they had a lot of money behind it and, um, it was a big push to make it big. So, yeah, it was for an indie rock fan, it sort of made your head spin. Yeah, um, yeah. But they had it delivered. Well, let's let's just get some of the basic facts of this album um, out of the way. It was released January 28th, uh, 2003 on Reprise Records. Um, the album is named both for the Blessed Virgin Mary, from whom band leader Billy Corgan claimed to find comfort and guidance, and for the Catholic Church in Key West, Florida, where he spent time during Zwan's early rehearsals. So that church was actually called um, Mary Star of the Sea. So that's where the that's where the title came from. I did find a blog post um, from Billy from I guess his I don't know if it was his live journal or um, uh, his blog that he was keeping back in 2004. And this is what he said just about the name of the album, but also kind of the context of you know. So this is post Zwan. Zwan had broke up at this broken up at this point. Um, Billy says, Mother Mary saved my life. No, that's not a typographical error, so I'll just say it again to be sure. Mother Mary saved my life. That is why the Zwan album was titled Mary Star of the Sea. I was asked the question many times during interviews about how the album came to be named. Um, I'll just paraphrase here a little bit. Zwan was rehearsing in Key West, Florida in 2001, and I used to hang out at this church called Mary Star of the Sea. What I didn't say is that off to the side was a grotto of the Virgin Mary. I used to go and pray to find some clarity and solace. I asked Mother Mary there to help me change the direction of my life, my negative attitudes, and to heal my broken heart. I promised Mary that in tribute to her, I would name the album in her honor and thereby honor the place where I found comfort in hours of need. Now, some may scoff at the notion that Mary, the mother of Jesus, saved my life or changed my life at all anyone could opine that it's all in my mind. So let me say this. I have received probably 2,000 letters in the last 12 years where strangers have told me that I saved their lives. Many have said that at the time they were writing the letter, they had recently been contemplating suicide, and that my music had helped them to find the courage to not do such a horrible thing. Um, 
Others, other letters would be about whether the person could find strength to get out of bed, face another day, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so anyway, Billy, Billy talks. I think that's an interesting point that he's because there, is, like you said, Alex. There's like a lot of overtly religious, uh, you know, imagery and lyrics and stuff in here, and it's kind of hard to tell at first glance. Like, is it earnest? Is it 100% earnest? Is it irony is it a mix of both is it maybe different in different band members eyes which maybe that's the truth but he's saying here that like you know i think it's a fair point that like you can kind of imbue any figure with like a lot you know like people have done it to him so like why not you know why not virgin mary yeah totally it's interesting like obviously you i think you guys have a much deeper understanding of billy corgan than i do uh i from my perspective he's somebody who's I think definitely puts David Bowie on a pedestal right? and the way that David Bowie sort of creates these different personas for each project he's working on. Yeah. And I read a couple of reviews, uh, sorry, interviews with Billy Corgan around this time and he would say like, oh, I'm deeply religious. And, I, yeah. and it didn't seem to be from like a winking ironic thing, but it sort of reminded me of like the way Bob Dylan embraced Christianity like, yeah. in the late 70s, yeah. early 80s. And it's like, are you doing this as like a character for these songs and you're presenting yourself in this way? It's tough to tell. Right. But I do think it is that Bowie, like, I'm changing into a different... Totally. Movie. Very different from the guy he was at the end of the Pumpkins. Yeah. Even, that, like, the way he dresses and looks. Oh, yeah. Like, it's... Well, because yeah. he... That, and that definitely seems by design. The whole, like, the whole vibe of this album, it, it feels like, among other things, it feels like a, a very deliberate decision to, like, not sound like the Pumpkins and to put across, like, different, you know... Like I don't, yeah, image, uh, mood, um, tone, like you know, and look than the pumpkins. This is the period where he's wearing the like newsboy caps, you know, and he's got the scarves. They're yeah, all wearing yeah, the scarves everybody's wearing and, scarves, yes. trucker yeah, hats, trucker hats. Uh, even though I'm wearing one right now, <laughs> I still I have yeah. like you know they fit my I have a big head. So I know me too. Head. That's what they just look good on. Uh, but uh, yeah, and that's also the time he was like very sick, where the doctors didn't know what was wrong with him. Uh, and he had to like go through all these treatments and stuff. But that's why he looks so like gaunt. Oh, really? I didn't know much time. about that. Yeah, he was going through something. I f- forgot exactly what. Our listeners will definitely know. Yeah, uh, better yeah. than we do. But like, yeah, he he had mentioned it some on um, one of his Instagram lives. But yeah, he was really sick at that time. Didn't know what was wrong with him, and he eventually found out. But that's why he was so like like skeleton thin and like kind of long in the face. Yeah. Um, and you guys talked about it in the Glasshouse episode, but like the context of the rock world at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also worth bringing up. I did a little bit of research. In 2003, five rock albums made it to number one on the charts. You would uh, never guess what they were. Um, you can try to guess. You can try to play a guessing uh, game. You name, like, I would be surprised if you got one of these. Well, Maybe. are you using the term rock loosely or like as far as like the charts would? The, Car- is the charts would categorize it, and I think you would probably call these also. I mean, one I'll just like give away immediately because nobody will get it. It was there was a Led Zeppelin live album. Oh, how the West was won. Okay, that, and wait, did already said this album went to number three? Didn't make it to number one. Yeah, sold ninety thousand in its first week, which is respectable. Yeah, um, but yeah, the do you guys have any guesses? Coldplay. No, these all uh, rock white stripes. Than, no, not Foo Fighters. No, those I will say white stripes. So they did release Elephant in two thousand three. Right. Yeah. Which to me is a, another big thing, like that defines this period of time in music. Is the White Stripes album came out the week before the iTunes Music Store launched. Oh, and it's hard to like grasp now how radical 
that was. Yeah. It was the first time ever you could buy a single song, and right. all songs were 99 cents. Yeah. yeah. And it was the first time you could like chop up an album. So like, right. uh, metaphorically, like Elephant coming out right before that is like, oh, this is the last album that right. came out before you could chop up an album. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Zwan came out shortly before that as well. Uh, but no, the, the five uh, albums were the Led Zeppelin, Meteora by Linkin Park. Oh, right. Faceless by Godsmack. Wow. <laughs> Evanescence? <laughs> Evanescence didn't make it ah. to the top. Sane Anger by Metallica. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm surprised that the Golden Age of Grotesque by Marilyn Manson. Oh, oh, wow. oh really? Those were I'm the... surprised that that album made it. Yeah, I was, he, he's like 10 years into his career and that's number one. Must have wow. been a slow week for album. <laughs> yeah, very interesting because a lot of it is still like 90s runoff in a way. Yes. Or, or like, you know... By pr- kind of stuff that could be seen as almost like byproducts of what Billy was doing with the pumpkins and the night, like sort of um, stuff that was more influenced by that and possibly not quite as good as that. But you know, whereas um, yeah, Billy had his eyes on like some kind of new frontier at this point. And in reading like after Zwan broken up, Billy was, it seemed like he was hard on himself about the perceived failure of this band, but it's easy to forget also that this is in the age of Napster had just shut down, but LimeWire was huge. Yeah. yeah. Kazaa. All those sites, yeah. and like I was a snob, and I would I refused to use those sites. I was like only listening to vinyl. Or <laughs> but like I had friends <laughs> who were like, time. Wow. here's a hundred thousand songs on a hard drive. Yeah. And like bands like the Gun Club or the Birthday Party. Bands I like, oh, couldn't yeah. access, and you could right. have all of them. And also Zwan was on yeah. there. And so it's hard for, he sh- I mean, you can't be hard on yourself if your album didn't sell them. Right. Nobody was buying the, music. The gates were yeah, open. Yeah. yeah. It really yeah. was like, it, it was trying to put a Band-Aid on like a, you know, hole in the submarine. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, I mean, it garnered, uh, it garnered uh, pretty positive reviews, you know, uh, Entertainment Weekly named Mary Star of the Sea, the sixth best album of 2003. Noting the 14 minute of epic new Prague with the guitars engaging in interstellar improvisatory interplay on the Jesus I title track or slash title track, Mary Star of the Sea. Yeah, uh, which they do. Press, yep. Alternative Press liked it too, uh, called it a return to form for Corgan and all music, uh, kind of taking your take, saying that it's the best stuff since Siamese Dream. Um, and as you said, it, w- how much where it debuted, how much it sold, uh, but it didn't stay on the charts for very long. It was a pretty sharp drop off. Again, I think it's because of the time as well. Mm-hmm. It's just like, and I'll be honest with you, uh, I'll come clean. Uh, I, we talked about this a little bit with the Glass House in the intro episode of just being like, I think Zwan for me over the years was I I didn't give the album the proper respect it deserved a proper time because i was part of that whole like digital download culture and then also i was just my tastes were just changing Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. i gave it a few spins and at that time too i was going through i had just moved in with uh the first love of my life and that fell apart (laughs) so i had all that going on too and so i was like this album should have been big for me yeah. Uh, but for some reason, it just it became like mid tier to low tier over the years. Where I just I listened to it as much as probably uh, Zeitgeist, mm-hmm. which I'm looking forward to uh, diving into because I feel like I need another chance for yeah. Zeitgeist. Yeah, me too. Too, but like I I just didn't give it the proper respect up until now. Until we started covering these uh, shows and Zwan itself, and now uh, I am reborn. 
<laughs> uh, I like a phoenix rising from the ashes with the rainbow stream. Yes. It, it's an easy album to overlook. Not only were you busy in your life, but so much was going on in the world. And yes. like also just like January is a weird month to release an album. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You had these like twin pillars of uh, rap rock and new metal still exist <laughs> and still like dominating the charts and garage rock is still thriving. And this doesn't really fit anywhere in there. Yeah. Right. Um, it didn't get a ton of radio play to my memory. Um, uh, yeah, honestly, honestly did maybe a little bit. And then that was it like after like a month or two. So yeah, easy to miss this album, sadly. Yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I, uh, we talk about this a lot on the podcast of just like things that didn't resonate with us at the time, mm -hmm. but then it kind of Corgan's music kind of feels like it makes a loud declaration. It's like, I'm here for you when you're ready. Yes. Right. And a yeah. lot of the music that we've discovered over doing this podcast has been like, oh, like we have this revelation. Yeah. And yeah. for me, uh, I was okay on this album. I liked it. Yeah. But now I love it. Mm -hmm. Sitting down with it for the last month and then like uh, I bought I bought the CD off of eBay uh, and playing it in my car and then last night putting on headphones, mm -hmm. sitting down with it, I was like, this album sounds completely different to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's where I am in my life or what, but something about it just like hit. Yeah. Right. And we can get into this when we listen to it, but for me, like why it's such a positive experience listening to it now in 2021 is that it's so of 2003. Right. Yeah. And we can like point out those moments as we listen to it, but like it takes you back to that time. Definitely. Like, well, this, this hurls me back kind of to the, to the, um, like I, I think I was saying that the previous episodes, like, this was sort of like um, the first Billy project where like at, like in real time, I was sort of like an adult in the world where I could like, I remember going out and buying the CD. I remember going and seeing them shortly thereafter in New York. Like I was more like, um, it was, it was, I, I don't know. I felt like more of an active participant in the release of this. Like than I was like with pumpkins albums, just cause I was like, I don't know, like a child kind of yeah, living right. at home. Um, but now you're an adult in college. Yeah, With yeah. The toga parties, right? Togas uh, and yeah. hazings. I mean, the hazings. Oh yeah, you were Brutal. the paddle king. No, they didn't have frats <laughs> oh. at my at my college. People would say that our, my college purchase um, was what the movie PCU was based on. I don't know if <laughs> right. you guys have seen. Yeah, that was your. School. That's what they say. P and it it's it the PCU is a, like purchase college. Like, I guess it's not purchase college. Anyway, people would say like at my freshman orientation they play a clip of um, PC. You know, like there were like protests going out. You know, like yes. kids would be like protesting the dining hall for some reason and like. <laughs> Very, a lot of little boutique protests going on around campus. I just like that twist of like Pat was like, "Oh, the hazing," and you're like, "Yeah, he was the paddle king." I didn't expect Pat to be the one <laughs> was dishing out the hazing. Oh yeah, no, he was. Yeah, he, I mean, he's a he's a little freak. Yeah. So I was listening to Zwan while. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He was like, "Honestly, this is gonna sting." Yeah. Yeah. Well, let, should we talk about the tracks? Yeah, yeah let's, let's do it. Do I it. mean, we we can always cover any of the other yeah, stuff yeah. as we go through it. But um, Pat, what kicks off this album? Well, like any good opening song off an album, this one contains a lyric. Yeah. 
the first track off of Mary, Star of the Sea. Alex, you're our guest. Uh, give us some thoughts on Lyric. Okay, so I didn't get into, I should say right now, my Pumpkins history. And my Billy Corgan history is that um, I, the first concert I ever went to was a Rush concert with the Melvins opening. Whoa. And cool. there was Holy a the local hard rock radio station, 92.3 KSJO, had a booth at the concert. And if you said into a mic, like the call signal, uh, they would give you a free cassette. So I said, like, listen to 92.3 KSJO, and they gave me Siamese Dream. Wow. I had a sticker on it that said, like, on cassette, and it was, like, property of KSJO. It's like, something had been given by the label that they were giving away. So that I, like, like you guys, I'm sort of watched MTV all day, every day. Yes, so I yeah. knew the pumpkins from MTV, but to have, to be, like, 13 and to have the cassette, listened to it a ton, loved Siamese Dream, mm-hmm. went back, got Gish, loved Gish, loved Melancholy when it came out. It was different yeah. than I wasn't yeah. expecting it. Uh, it's still the like kitchen Im- sink. Yeah. It was the kitchen sink. It's the their white album. You're able to get lost in it, find the things you like, don't like in it. I kind of lost touch with pumpkins after that. I think right, most people, most people did. And I was like in high school, just like didn't have yeah. money to burn. I was like, I'm yeah. gonna do my own thing now. Um, <laughs> and reconnected with Zwan because when Zwan hit, when this uh, CD came across my desk at the college newspaper, I was like, yes. Especially with lyric, when lyric kicks off, it kicks off. It's like. This is what I want. Yeah, this is guitars. Yeah. It's yeah. a snare drum going insane. It's this like soaring vocal. I'm like, hell yeah, let's <laughs> bring it on. I was so like this first track, I'm like on board yeah. fully from the jump. Yeah. It's what I like missed from it's like if there's another timeline where Billy Corgan just keeps writing guitar rock songs, uh-huh. this is like where he would be. But it's sort of like reconnecting with that guy. Yeah. Had he not gone off into like goth world and right, done right. other things like working with synths which is in high like as you go back and discover it's great stuff but at the time i'd like lost it but it was like a return to form not even really a return to form he's taking it in a new direction yeah mm-hmm. that, like i connected with immediately from the first track yeah. i also feel like it's kind of more in your knowing you uh knowing you for a while uh this seems zwan does seem like more in your kind of taste kind of like that venn diagram of your your taste uh you know what i mean 100 it shreds yeah. it like it's loud and rocking um i loved it and i went back and i'm sure you guys had watched the video for this song uh great video also like you brought it up in the last episode about um in context the iraq war was like just about to start mm-hmm. yeah so this video is them like marching holding signs yeah which in hindsight you may forget like what was going on at the time but to me, that felt like his response to, at the time, a lot of boomer rock bands were like, this generation doesn't know how to protest. And I felt right. like he was like, this is how we do it. Like, yeah. ours is more about love than and like, peace. Yeah. 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 Than being yeah. angry and torching things. And I yeah. just watched that. I had somehow, I had seen the Honestly video um, a bunch of times, which I'll talk more about that later. But um, I had, ju- I did, I missed the lyric video until this morning somehow. I had never seen right. it before, but it is, it's like, it's it's i mean i it's first of all the song kind of feels like um zwan's mission statement a little bit both in terms of just the sound like you know the yeah. the bright and shiny um uh, you know wall of guitars and also like here comes my faith is the first that you know here comes my new sort of like lyr- you know lyrical direction and like personal place that i'm in you know or, or character whatever you want to you know however you want to look at it but yeah, the video is wild. It's like, you know, people, it's the band marching through the streets of Chicago, all playing guitars, every single one of them holding a guitar. <laughs> and they start to, like, amass a crowd of people holding um, 
you know, signs that say like peace, love, um, Om, Om Shanti, you know, like, but then it got me thinking about kind of like, um, I'm sure, you know, and believe me, I don't want to derail us too much by bringing up the Beatles Get Back documentary, but I've been thinking about Zwan in the context of like it being Billy's wings kind of, yeah, or, or how, or you could look at it as Billy's all things must pass and wings and like, Mm -hmm. you know, what, like all their kind of like first solo efforts put together. Um, and even like, you know, him being on the level where he could put together, he could really like curate the best musicians to play with him, you know, um, so it's anyway. I'm kind of all over the place here, but it's it's yeah. It's like a very strong mission statement, and the the thing that is most noticeable about it is how not pumpkinsy it is in terms of you know, like you said, like compared to um, Bullet with Butterfly Wings or something. Yes, um, and that to me is like a market change. I loved Bullet with Butterfly Wings when it came out. Still love it, but like the, the mission statement of a song like today, which is like what got me into the band. Today yeah. is the greatest versus the first line being "The world is a vampire." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, a different thing right. going on here, right? And this is like a return to a the today is the greatest feeling. It yeah. has but, more. Um, it, it listening to it, it has. It's very different, but like if you were gonna compare it to just the um, the sort of flow of a Pumpkins album, it is more Siamese dreamy. Yeah, because by the end of Siamese Dream, you get into the deep, deep mind bending kind of jams. You know, you get into like Silverfuck and you get into Soma and stuff. Yeah. And this, you know, the centerpiece of this album is this 15-minute amazing track, which yeah. we'll talk about. But yeah, it is sort of like a, um, yeah, it's more, it's more of a sister to Siamese Dream, I think, than any other album. Yeah, and I, I like, and you brought up the Beatles. I'm, I'm gonna make so many Beatles references over the course of this podcast. Yeah, let's <laughs> yeah. do it. What, and you also pointed out that in the video, they're all playing guitars. And yeah. As soon as I spotted that. I have a toddler, and he loves to watch Beatles videos. Like Beatles shot a ton of promo videos in the '60s for mm-hmm. their songs. Yeah, kind of invented music videos. But in all those videos, Ringo just sits there. Right. So I'm like, I'm glad they gave Jimmy a guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> give Jimmy a guitar. <laughs> yeah. Well, he yeah. plays. They just, like make him like walk behind them. As yeah. Well, he played 1979. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. S- they gave him a guitar in the final <laughs> Pumpkins show, which is nice because yeah. it's like you know he gets to be out front, and then Matt Walker is playing drums. Which right. Is, right. Is cool. But and, and in the video, I also <laughs> such a dumb observation. They in the video they march into the metro in Chicago. Yeah. And like you think that they're gonna play. Right. But it's like more of like a rave. Yeah. They just dancing. party. Yeah. 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 And but. Billy Corgan does this dance move that is like the same dance move from the 1979 video. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that one dance move. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe I somehow missed that video, but then I guess you know, maybe a lot of people did. It looked so much like the 1979 dance move. I don't know if it was like like an intentional callback. It seems like it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it just says that celebratory kind of feel. It's like Billy raising the roof. That one shot uh, that you know from 1979. Yeah, I wish he would have had dance moves though. Like, uh, do you guys see the Lord of Scent? Lords of Scent. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Short, you know, where that. <laughs> the whatever that that uh, Lord's name is, and he gets on stage and yeah, starts yeah. dancing. I was like, I wish that Billy would have had those dance moves. Now, what's happened here? I believe the Lords have unlocked a rejuvenatory octave, which has exploded the ball of pure energy in the crowd and united them all as one. This funky tune has resurrected Panos like the Christ. Yeah. Lords of Synth, look it up. Look it's it up. amazing. It's great. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, like, I feel like it's funny that you mentioned that because I do feel like Pat 
even though the position doesn't make sense, I feel like this song, the lyric, uh, Jesus I, Mary Star of the Sea, and the last track mm-hmm. are kind of like the pillars of this band or this mm-hmm. album. Yeah, yeah. That really kind of like sum up like, hey, this mm-hmm. is Juan. Yeah. Everything else is gravy, but like I feel like those three tracks in particular yeah. are like, this is they're hitting like the three kind of key notes of this and i mean mary started the 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 title track hits a lot of notes but yeah i I agree with that yeah but i i agree it's a strong uh start to the album although i still do like chrysanthemum and i'm really like yeah it didn't make the album It would have to battle for that first spot, I think. Yeah, and this song kind of more than I think anything else on the album. It well, honestly, does too. The singles basically have the most kind of um, harmony with like pause, like oh, yeah. you know the male female vocal going. Her backing on. vocals are so good on this. Yeah, yeah and there's but they're, it's they're used kind of sparingly throughout the album, but you wouldn't know it necessarily by just hearing this song. Yeah, yeah, um, I think kind of what we're talking about the lyrics are just kind of fitting for an intro to the band and the feeling uh that you're about to i think it's a good declaration of like here we are yeah yeah we are zwan uh any final thoughts on that it rules great uh side a track one mm-hmm. um nice work zwan <laughs> well you seem kind of overexcited so i might have to tell you to settle down Settle down, the second track off of Mary's Star of the Sea. Welcome to our world, Alex. Uh, this is how we do it. But Alex, what are your thoughts on Settle Down? A great second track. Um, to me, I, this made me think about how interesting it was that they played their first show at the Glass House. Because I went to college in Southern California, and the Glass House was like an epicenter of a scene. It was like a big time like math rock, emo, guitar sound, bands like Pinback. line. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And this sounds like in line with that sound. Absolutely. This is like, th that's why when I say like, this reminds me of 2003, it's like, oh, this is very much like, I remember seeing like Jimmy Eat World like early on around this time. And just like, yeah, it has too. that like very post-rock angular, weird, scronky sound to it. Yeah. It's like 100% of 2003, 100% of like going to see shows at the Glass House. Um, yeah, yeah, it just took me back to that time. Um, great song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I feel like the baseline, like kind of what a lot of bands uh, that you were talking about, kind of like borrow from, like Simon Gallup, from the Cure, Peter mm -hmm. Hook, especially. Yes, right, right. Like you hear that baseline of this song, it's like it's totally Simon Gallup and Peter yeah. Hook. Like it's got a really great tone to it. Um, I love the guitars on it. Uh, so we are our Patreon members. Oh, by the way, we should mention that we are covering this album because uh, on our patreon we asked uh, our patreon members were like because we weren't sure what to cover next do we cover the residency shows do we cover right. whatever but uh one of the benefits of being on our patreon is that you get to choose for us so we had a poll up and they said nope you cover that motherfucker we <laughs> yeah. go ahead and cover mary star of the sea so because of them uh we are covering this album so thank you uh, but also, I was going to say, uh, they also helped us come up with our end line, which is never lose that feeling. Right. But for me, and maybe Alex, you have the same association, um, never lose that feeling is tied to the band Swerve Driver. And that song, Never Lose That Feeling, and Swerve Driver opened up for the Pumpkins during the Siamese Dream oh, wow. Tour. And there are certain elements that feel like a uh, swerve driver to me in this right. song. Yeah. So it's, it's, it was kind of a weird hearing that and knowing that history was kind of weird to me. But now it kind of has this other uh, kind of uh, context to it that I really appreciate. And I really like th those lyrics. Mm -hmm. Yes, for sure. Yeah, lyrically, this one is it, like these lyrics stuck in my mind. It like burned into my mind. Like we mentioned at the top of the show whatever i can do i will because i'm good like that like for some reason that lyric always just really stuck with me out of the the many lyrics of this album yeah um yeah and i think it's a strong one i think the how do you guys feel about the lottie does at the end of the song great like crescendo to the end yeah. of the song love the way it, like builds to a big finish um I, I liked it uh i did listen to this album all the way through twice a little criticism album does feel like a little bit overlong and I feel like this is a song like I could have edited it a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I think the runtime on this album is sixty five minutes. Yeah, which is obviously they're like huge rock opuses, which take up a lot of space on it. I it did just remind me of like in I think with the Metallica Load album. Yeah, with Load, the whole thing was like we filled this motherfucker <laughs> yeah, yeah. up into the breaking point. There's not a single millisecond yeah. left on this CD. Yeah, it's like a, a thing very much of the moment where it's like, oh, with CD technology, yeah. we're gonna cram as much music on there for you to give you the most value for your dollar, which yeah. I appreciate at the time. In current context, like I like an album to be like 35 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, you want an ACDC link. <laughs> I know, I know. And it, well, the funny thing is though, I like I I hear what you're saying, and I I the thing I wouldn't touch, if if I were to be tasked with making this a shorter album, I don't think I would at all edit the super long track. 
but I do think for me this album and we get we'll get to it but like to me this album really starts to gel like the back half of it the second yeah, side that's when I it agree. Start, like these first batch of songs are really strong songs but they feel a little more standalone kind of like yeah. they feel a little more like one could be plucked out or moved around I mean lyrics a strong opener though I do think there are other swan songs that could have kicked off this album too so anyway all that to say is I hear what you're saying like the sort of A side feels like a series of a-sides. Of A-sides, of <laughs> yeah, singles. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very and, much yeah. like Abbey Road, where you have like the first side is like standalone it's singles, totally. side two is like a medley of yeah, it's, yeah. flows I mean, together. It, yeah, when it starts to to be more medley-like or more sort of immersive is when I think it really starts to cook. Yeah, I feel like um, the whole like length that was a product of the 90s, yeah. where it really was like bands would just like overstay their welcome it's like you really need 17 tracks on this and we're kind of returning back to that because of spotify algorithm yeah right, and all that right. shit where like everybody's doing a quote-unquote double album even the pumpkins last album was yeah kind of like that and their next album is going to be 33 <laughs> songs but that whole like uh, condition is something that this other podcast called dig me out they talk about because they go through a lot of 90s albums yeah. and they just always talk about like they have a a, a setting saying like is this a better single better ep or better album and for most of those 90s albums are like could have probably been an ep totally right, uh, right but i don't think that for this album i i really uh like the lyrics on this uh what you said alex about how it builds up because that that one part where he says i took my chances yeah the way he just builds that oh, out that's is great so yeah. satisfying yeah. Mm-hmm. whatever Yeah, I don't know if we've heard that. We had heard that kind of belt from Billy. In a uh, while, yeah. It was like sort of a non-snarling belt that we probably hadn't quite heard from him yet. Yeah, it feels like freedom. You know what yeah, I mean? Like it feels yeah. like he's free of like kind of the shackles. That he's just kind of like it's more like relief than say anger. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and there is. I will say, like it, I, this is just comes from knowing how Zwan shook out. You know, it feels. Do you guys feel like the? Um, sort of declaration of freedom it feels maybe like forced or something or or like a little bit not not forced but like a little bit like wanting that but is it does he really have it you know like is it really does does Juan really feel like that and I guess that I'm just projecting onto like the you know I'm just projecting the fact that they broke up and it was very acrimonious onto this you know if they went on for years I'm sure it would just read like oh yeah he was free you know yeah, I think that um, I have like a big takeaway from this album that I kind of want to save till the end to tease people to keep listening. <laughs> Stay tuned. But I think that, yeah, there's like stuff, there's like seeds of things in this album of like, oh, I don't think this is going to last. Right. Like, you right. can already like oh, feel yeah. it in this. Like, well, you watch that DVD that comes, uh, I I had, uh, I have the, the CD with the DVD extras. Uh, yes. You can find the, the DVD extra on YouTube, but it's basically another album. Yeah. It's got all the songs that basically did not make Mary Star the yeah. Sea that we've heard live that you're like, what the fuck? These are all incredible. And like some are like Pajo written and you know, yeah, a lot yeah, of sweetie yeah. stuff that's on there. But like this is mostly a Corgan project. Right. Right. And I believe it's like when you when somebody goes through a messy breakup and there was somebody new mm-hmm. and you're like, you believe you're happy at that time, but you can see like you're like, oh, you're 
Right. You're actually not, you don't really believe this. Right. So, Settle right. Down is also the only track on the album that Corgan shares a songwriting credit with Paz. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. Are right. Written by him. So this yeah. is the only one with, probably because that bass line. Um, Except for Jesus, Jesus, I, and Mary started the sea. Have which like a is traditional. Well, it's a traditional, and then like I yeah, think they're Mary all credited the in that. Is I think because they played it live. Right, I assume that was like with instrumentation. Like, yeah. So Wikipedia says different. Does the book would say. Uh, Wikipedia is like the whole album is just by him, other than. I think the the credit is Juan on Mary Star of the Sea. But is, do we have that note in here? Jesus, I has. Yeah. You're, um, yeah, full band credit. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wikipedia was wrong. Big surprise. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. And you give money to it every single week. <laughs> Click five dollars every time I open Wikipedia. Because <laughs> you have money to burn, Alex. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts about Settle Down? Great track. All right. Well, that was sort of Billy's declaration for everyone to kind of cool out. And the next one is his declaration of faith. Declarations of faith. Alex, your thoughts. I mean, the lyrics hit me as like being kind of hippy dippy. This is like probably the most religious feeling song on the album because mm-hmm. he's declaring his faith. Uh, but then when you look closer at the lyrics, you're like, what kind of faith are you talking about? Right, yeah. right. Um, and then also, like, uh, maybe we're born to run. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah. was, that was actually the, title that was was... a working title for the song, yeah. Um, it reminds me like I love that I do love when bands do that like how Lana Del Rey has like Lust for Life as a song yeah. right. she, I think yeah. she does that a lot like just straight up stealing a famous song title it's a bold move that yes. you have to but I, I always respect it when people pull it off this one I, I love this song I think this like this could open the album I don't yeah. know you know it's it also fits the bill of sort of mission statement of um, Zwan this feels more like to me this feels like almost uh, it could have been a Machina B-side. Right. Because of that Eha like or Corgan did it too, but that Ebo sound mm-hmm. that you hear in the background, yeah. that kind of soaring, it kind of felt like that. Uh, I wrote down, I can't wait for the reissue because all the quality that we have is still kind of bad. We're talking about like the production on this album that unfortunately, because of the product of the time, it's not mixed great. Mm-hmm. So we're really looking forward to the uh, inevitable uh, Zwan reissues that mm-hmm. will be coming out in the next couple of years. But like, um, I thought it had a kind of Machina vibes. But yeah, I, I can. Some of the lyrics to me were, I, I wrote down kind of embarrassing to me at that time. I think like, uh, I think because of the religious aspect and because of some of these lyrics, I was maybe kind of like too afraid to play it out loud. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe that played into some of like why I didn't listen to it as much. Mm-hmm. Kind of felt like, but then it's like. What? Why were you so like self-conscious about that? Because now I like it. Yeah, those li- the lyrics on this album 
seem different from Billy Corgan's previous lyrics and that it does fit more of into the emo genre of the time of like almost like diary writing um which is I think very different from what he was doing before yeah because um, he was so high concept by Machina yeah it was like yeah so this feels very much like simple uh I mean emo is a hard I don't like to call this emo <laughs> but it is like uh confessional lyrics yeah it's more in the emo sense of sunny day real estate yeah exactly yeah yeah Yeah. i will say that even though there is something that comes off to me high concept about even like billy like this feels like on the one hand it's like okay pumpkins are over this behemoth band that i was part of it's like i'm like free of whatever you know baggage that came with that um free to create these new things it feels like the band members got together and they were sort of like you know billy does talk about like mother mary and all that stuff but it almost feels like all these like you know seasoned sort of indie darling or mainstream darling musicians coming together almost to like worship rock you know like there's this this feeling of like um kind of like celebrating even just the cover art feels so like 60 70 like it feels like that it's like you know the premise of Zwan was all these people kind of getting together to celebrate what they loved about rock in the first place you know yeah but it does feel um there's like a house of cards feeling to it too it feels vi- like it feels delicate you know what i mean yeah. it doesn't feel loose and, f- and easy yeah and I, I don't mean that in a negative way i mean like you know kind of in a positive way but we can get into this later but i do feel like the the cover art the music is like a celebration of rock music as a concept yeah which i like we'll get into this later but i feel like the after the band broke up billy corgan did an interview with the journalist greg cott from chicago where he said these famous quotes about like why the band broke up they're like everyone was having sex with each other yeah. everyone was doing drugs People were sleeping with the record producer's girlfriend. I was like, "Yeah, that's rock music." Yeah, that's true. Yeah, everybody was having a great time. (laughs) Right. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And I think that he is somebody who, to get back to uh, the Get Back documentary, he is like a McCartney. He's like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna work. We're gonna do this." Absolutely. And um, he wasn't cool with everybody having a great time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like uh, they're having a great time, and it seems like maybe a dangerous, weird way. But like that's what rock music is, and I feel like they were embracing that. And right, uh, yeah. Billy wasn't cut out for. I I think he just wasn't cut out for a loose, hey, jammy. You know, like he he's like you know he is like a perfectionist. He's like a a, you know very um, hands on you know uh, in the studio type. But yeah. I hope that like he and when these reissues come out, I hope he like embraces like, oh yeah, this was awesome. <laughs> like everybody yeah. was like, everybody was living large. I think he's warming <laughs> up to the fact that um, it, people really like. I mean, he play he we he's woven in some of these songs. Like when we saw him play yeah. a few years ago, a solo show he did um, endless summer. endless summer yeah. just on piano, which was in it right or like stripped down. I don't remember if it was piano he or did, guitar. Uh, I think it was piano. I think it was piano. I can't remember, but yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's he. I'm interested to see how this reissue is going to happen because how it's going to work out with like if it's going to be like kind of when they were reissuing the earlier Pumpkins albums and him and James and Darcy right, were talking right. how they worked out the legalities of that. Yeah, and hopefully that that all works out um, to where <laughs> uh, hopefully it all works out to where like. Paho and you know a Sweeney are like, we'll take that money, 
like we don't ever want to talk to you but we'll take that money just so we get this material because otherwise mm-hmm. it's like what does billy do with that stuff if they're like we don't want anything to do with it right yeah this is like he may have spoken this and i have missed the interview but like i was curious why isn't this on spotify at all or and he yeah i mean i was looking like reasons why is like the main reason why is like money being split up and i'm sure part of it is like he wants the best mixed version out there yeah but also it is a big like who am i gonna pay for right. this and you guys brought up in that last episode that um i think paho posted a photo of him and sweeney and i noted after he said it i looked it up and pause commented there's like a hand wave and a heart oh wow um, so it's like they're all cool yeah <laughs> and, like, yeah they, Man, it'd be great if they. I don't expect like a grand. I mean, he teased his one reunion like without, but without people, them, you know. Um, <laughs> which, yeah. Well, I, I here's what I'll say too. Like listening to this album, and like I was always a big fan of this album, but what I didn't really know was any of the others want stuff besides like the um, the number of the beast and freedom ain't what it used to be, which Matt Sweeney sings. But listening to that Glasshouse show. And some of the other um, stuff, Jolly's Wan stuff from before this album, like to me, what's like magical about this is like the the um, the melding of their voices. Their voices have this interesting, like kind of Buckingham Nicks, like like Billy is the like Stevie Nicks, and you know, like <laughs> and, and he's and it, it's. I'm just thinking of like you know um, songs that com- or uh, voices that complement each other, but. The and when you listen deeply to this album on headphones, you can hear you can hear very low in the mix, like Sweeney doing background vocals. Yeah, I would love or the those. guitar parts too. Yeah, I, I would love the other band members to be sort of more at the not at the the front, but like a little bit more at the forefront of this album. You know what yeah, I mean? Because sure. ultimately, it's like you got all this talent, and you can feel the tension of it being bent kind of into a primarily billy corgan yeah. project oh man you're you're uh you're bleeding into what my tease was gonna be <laughs> i feel like i'll get into it later but i think that's a big reason of like why this band didn't quite work um is yeah just like the mix of things and but and yeah there's something you guys i was fascinated that in that last episode you guys brought up the foo fighters yeah because there is like if this band did go on i feel like they could have been at that level Yo, like, not like maybe. that's where I think they would have been is like releasing right. an album every couple of years solid couple singles it's funny that like in all the interviews with Swan they never back off of the label supergroup right. Right. most times right. if you call a band a supergroup they're like I don't uh, say that yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Don't, they don't back away from it and to me like Foo Fighters are even like more of a supergroup yeah, like, everybody right. in that band is from arguably a more famous band than people <laughs> right. Swan. Right. Right. Uh but similarly like Around this time, I mean, Dave Grohl just published a book. I read it, of course. And uh, they talk a lot about around this time, Foo Fighters were disintegrating around 2003. Yeah. Uh, for the same reasons that probably Zwan fell apart, of like people wanting more of a say. Yeah. And Dave Grohl was kind of like Iron Fist, like, no, this is my band. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like, I'm going to, you're going to play what I tell you to play. And if you don't, I'll just re record your part myself. And right. like, either you're on board for that or you're not. And I think like those conversations went on way behind the scenes because he's yeah. a nice guy public facing right and i think that like that conversation didn't happen in zwan yeah and probably yeah. needed to oh yeah right well yeah Sorry, and maybe dude. it was never going to be cool for that to be the reality but yeah. i will just on the on the dave grohl thing because we've talked a lot about or maybe not a lot but like the, dave grohl and billy same generation both in huge bands in the 90s yeah um 
like, but yet they occupy. Dave Grohl's got this more of like a darling status, you know, like a little oh, yeah. like you know, getting pies in the face on Jimmy Fallon <laughs> to this day. Um, whereas Billy is often introduced as like you know, um, tyrant, you know, like yes. whatever. Um, the like, they're both Paul McCartney's. They're yeah. both total mm-hmm. McCartney's in terms of like playing every inst- you know, the tendency toward like playing every instrument being like you know very um you know just like hyper focused on like being sort of these like wonder you know wonderkind like you know super talented can play it all themselves like and then just you know like they're just i don't know differently sort of um able Publicly, to navigate yeah. the public you know the pub- yes. or or, in- or i don't know maybe bi- the thing i like about billy is that like you know he never seemed quite interested in like doing it doing um playing it like safe or or or, like you know i think he's smart enough to to know probably what he could have said and didn't say to sort of like be more of a dave Grohl. but he was never interested in that i guess they're cut from the same cloth because that foo fighters documentary i mean that they released even yeah. points out because like they get into the the shit with like William Goldsmith where he was just like your drumming's not up to task. I'm record re-recording everything for Color in the Shape, mm-hmm. and then getting Taylor Hawkins later. But even Taylor being like, it's tough because he's like, he's I like, want to do this, and he's like, no, you play this. And I have a hunch that like yeah, Grohl re-recorded stuff on Color Shape. I have a feeling like that happens to this day. I oh think yeah, drums yeah. on songs. But they're just like we're 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 here for the ride. Yeah, like right. I think that's what. But I think eventually you you realize what the band is, and like if you're working with Corgan it feels like that's what it is it's his vision I think the the fact that the band is back together in a mostly original form Matt now I think it's it feels to me implied that there's like some understanding there's like the power struggle has been put to bed like I bet I don't imagine James E sitting around anymore like you know um George Harrison was like wishing like oh I wish I could get more yeah. of my songs on these albums you know speaking of Eha you saw him recently saw him at, I see him all the time I think he lives in my neighborhood I saw him at a park I saw <laughs> Alex uh, updates us when he's yeah he's James like sees him at Trader Joe's he sees him <laughs> no, no, I've seen him twice the uh I saw him um when I lived in New York I'd see him all the time yeah I saw I him like, at a show yeah village. I was like always saw him at the movies for some reason and then um I sound like a stalker. Uh, yeah, you're stalking. No, the, the time, I, it was funny. It's not funny. When uh, the world shut down, I saw him panic shopping at Trader Joe's. Oh, <laughs> oh, we were both like yeah, yeah. grabbing stuff and throwing yeah, it in the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, ah, oh, I got to sort of keep my family alive. Ah, oh, there's James Eha. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Everything was, the world was like, you know, uh, turning in on itself. Uh, Pat, well, you mentioned Buckingham Knicks. Uh, that kind of leads into, uh, we were talking about Stephen Malcolmus. Oh yeah, uh, out, yeah. Uh, you know, outside of this <laughs> podcast, but uh, there was an interview that he did with Tim Heidecker, uh, yeah. Tim and Eric, uh, where he mentioned Swan. Right? Yeah. We know the whole history with Stephen Malcolmus and Billy right. Corgan One of the and, most sort of high-profile Billy to this day detractors, yeah. um, <laughs> or, or dissers. You know, with the like most maybe most famous Pumpkins diss lyric, maybe only lyric. There, you know. But anyway, he he. I don't know how I um, found it, but we were texting and we were talking about like, we were saying Zwan, we were reaffirming to each other that we love Zwan basically. Yeah. And Alex texted Zwan rules. And I said, 
even Stephen Malkmus, you know, agrees. And he he. So anyway, there was this 2018 interview with Tim Heidecker and Stephen Malkmus where they're talking about at that time. And Cassie and I saw this concert, but Fleetwood Mac was touring without Lindsey Buckingham, right? Yeah, like yeah, he, was, yeah. Uh, he was out of the group. Um, so he, so then they're talking about that, and then it's really interesting how out of the blue Stephen Malcolm was like, <laughs> and then you got the Smashing Pumpkins, like you know, like um, who you know Darcy doesn't want to be a part of the thing, and just kind of go, just kind of like spurts out like a little bit of like you know hating on on Billy a little bit. Um, and then Heidecker is like, what about Swan? And Stephen Malcolm is like, I like Swan. Swan is good. Or, you know, like, Swan was good. I, like, and period. I was like, you texted that. I was like, he said that. I was surprised he admitted to liking Swan. Um, have you guys gotten into the Malcolmus Corgan feud before? We've yeah, mentioned we've it, for sure. That, yeah. yeah, we haven't delved, like, deep into it. But it's so interesting that it, like, I've never heard, like, has Billy fired shots Back at there's him. there's a whole history. Stephen Hyden, uh, who wrote a book about uh, rival rivalries called um, "Your Favorite Band Is Killing Me," I think, where mm-hmm. they talk about famous rival rivalries, and he has a whole chapter about uh, Billy Corgan and Stephen Malcolmus. That whole like exchange, and it kept getting lobbed right over the years back and forth and like things would be cool and then they'd be friends and then like some it's kind of the thing that like dave mustaine sometimes will still put in a dig at lars you know right just right yeah like i thought you guys were cool and yeah yeah and you know i mean i think the thing that i like about billy is that like a lot of people um he's rubbed people the wrong way over the years but like you feel this tension of like you know uh um i mean even matt sweeney they're estranged now but like and Sweeney is kind of more in that Malcolmus camp, you know, kind of, you could say. But, like, the one thing no like, no one could ever say about Billy is that he doesn't have the goods. You know what I mean? Right. Like, he's too yeah. talented to, for people to completely dismiss. dismiss, which is probably why it makes it more tempting to, like, talk shit about. I don't know. Well, people, I haven't yeah. read the Stephen Hyden thing, but my understanding of the feud is... Um, Obviously starts with the song Range Life by Pavement, yeah. mm-hmm. where they mention Stone Temple Pilots and Smashing Pumpkins. Right. In later interviews, Malcolmus has defended that lyric saying, I'm not making fun of them. That verse is from the point of view of an 80s hair metal guy who is like, I don't get these bands. Right. I don't like them. I want to range them. It's like them. a dire straits type of thing. Yeah. Like yeah. Money for nothing. <laughs> I don't know how true that is. He may have come up with that in... In like a hindsight, I think that like I've also read accounts of they were recording that song. It's an amazing song, right? And he ad libbed that lyric, and everyone fell out of their chairs laughing, and they left it in. I think that's probably the that's re- what it was. Yeah, <laughs> so, it definitely yeah. was. Right. It is very funny to write a beautiful song and then to like out of nowhere make fun of like two contemporary bands. Yeah. Um, and then in '94, when that song came out, Pavement was booked to play Lollapalooza, which Smashing Pumpkins were headlining, and allegedly Billy said, "If they play, we're out." And so they took Smashing Pumpkins off the bill. We, and pavement. They, they, they took Pavement off the bill. Pavement yeah. ended up playing in 95 instead. Uh, to me, it's like Malcolmus is just responding to that. And like it's almost like a high school bully or troll. Right, like, right. When you know you've 
got somebody. Yeah. You like you made a dig and you see that it works. You're like, okay, I'm gonna keep going. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> to like this, a, to the, not to this day, but to 2018, he still yes. feels the compulsion to poke that poke that a little bit. And I wasn't. It was it was funny that he said he likes Zwan. It made me laugh because like I also like Zwan a lot. But saying publicly like I love Zwan is similar to the way like I do say that I like Home Alone two more than Home Alone. Right. And yeah. it's like the same kind of thing. You it's, know yeah. your shit's stirring a little bit. <laughs> right. yeah. 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 It's like I believe it, but I am also starting shit. And I think that that's kind of like what he is doing as well. I, you're right. Like Sweeney played on his last album, which is amazing. Paho and Sweeney are both in the um, Drag City Records yeah. scene, mm-hmm. which Pavement was on Drag City. And like, so I think he's tight with those guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, and also, I was going to bring up the Malcolmus thing during Jesus Eye because uh, around this, I think 2003 is also when Malcolmus released Pig Lib, which is yeah. my favorite album of his solo career. And all similarly, like super long jammy mm-hmm. songs, which I think they were both playing with the same people at this time, yeah, like getting yeah. the same kind of thing. They're on the same page, kind of at this point in their careers. Um, yeah. In the grand scheme of humans to have ever existed, these guys have a lot more in common than oh, for sure. oh yeah. People, but, <laughs> but that's probably somehow, part of the problem. Yeah. You know, yeah. like when you're like, oh, we we're too similar. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, if you boil it down to the to the most like basic terms, it feels like. Um, the, the pavement world represents a little bit of like snarky, under the radar, too cool for school guy. Where the Corgan world is like really good, fuck it, like sold out arenas, like artistically very interesting, but also like I do not care if I'm. We want to um, be Zeppelin. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I want to yes. be Bowie. I want to be Zeppelin. Like, and I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah. you know, there's a, that, which is like pavement's you know one of my top three favorite bands ever and part of the reason i love them is that ironic detachment which billy corgan does not have at all no. pavement always has a thing of like isn't it kind of ridiculous that we do this <laughs> like, yeah. isn't it kind of like yeah. ridiculous right. to play songs and act this way and there's yeah. always like that level of detachment to it which billy is the exact opposite right like, i'm gonna embrace this this is yeah i want to be up there with like bowie and robert plant and, yeah. yeah yeah which is if you're Malcolmus, it's fun to make fun of them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And hey, um, Billy's just being honest out there. All these folks are just being honest out there, gang. Which leads us to our next song, honestly. Honestly. So, Alex, what are your honest oh. feelings on honestly? Okay, so I brought a guitar. Oh, look at that. It just because appeared out of thin air. Yeah, I love this song. It's just, To me, it's like such a smart move as the lead single. Um, you talked about like connecting with uh, Siamese Dream. And to me, the song, like, okay, how could we do this? We could, we could play, like, name that tune. I'll play three very basic chord progressions. And you tell me what song they are. Okay. okay. If this is a first, by the way. It might take yeah. a second for me to get the right rhythm down. So um, we we can edit. Today, yes, today, and then um, this one. I may take me a second. That's it. Right. Just 
chair, Brock. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and then. Honestly. Honestly. Yeah. So it's the same, like, just different strumming. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's major key, open chords, D, A, G. Like, <laughs> it's, and not to, not, I'm not, I'm like saying what a great songwriter is. And like, yeah. he uses these building blocks, which he had, like, after Sammy's Dream, he kind of stops doing it. It's like, oh, these huge, super catchy major key chord progressions make them super heavy and shred over them, make them feel right. operatic. Like, it sounds yeah. tinny on an acoustic guitar on a podcast, but he's able to make it seem larger than life. And like hooks you in immediately. Yeah. And yeah, it's the same feel as those Siamese Dream songs. And like um but like updated to Zwan. Like mm-hmm. It doesn't right. sound it doesn't sound like pumpkins. It's nodding to it, which is funny because you uh I think uh, uh we'll talk about this when we get to Jesus Eye and stuff like that, but there are elements of Siamese Dreams heft with mm-hmm. that distortion that you hear. Yeah, yeah. And there's like nods to that past, but I think other people had pointed out like that honestly basically is like kind of got hints of that that kind of point out to like people being like hey this is like uh the new version or like yeah. this is the updated version yeah mm-hmm. it was just like uh for that song to come out felt so refreshing at that time compared to the you know you're right by nirvana and obviously right. it was yeah. like oh this is so yeah. upbeat and positive and feels... like the evanescences yes. yeah oh yeah it yeah. stuck out so much mm-hmm. um, yeah it, to the point where i'm like i'm surprised it wasn't bigger uh, I enjoyed that very much, by the way. Oh, Can you so. just do that for every song? <laughs> I'll do the, the chord progressions for each of them. Um, but no, I, I, I love the song. I love the jam on those chords. Yeah, yeah. And this was a this was sort of like, um, you know, this was the uh, one of two videos they had, but it, this one was in pretty heavy rotation. I mean, like, again, I don't know exactly how much radio it play, radio play it got, but it seemed to be, like we were talking last time about their, this there was like a place at the table set for Zwan, you know, between this video being in heavy rotation and them being like on SNL and Letterman and all that stuff. No, like, and, the, and literally placed at the table. To me, this is like you said, the biggest MTVU college cafeteria song. Oh ever. yeah, yeah <laughs> totally. I, like, eating my tater tots, like looking totally at this song. and white stripes, um, seven nation <laughs> army. The Donna's were big. Oh back yeah. They're a great band, um, yeah, but anyway. So the fun fact about this: you guys were both at my wedding. The video for "Honestly" shot at the same place where I got married. And since your wedding, I see so many things. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I know, I know. Well. That's the like, it, it it's not entirely shot there, but there's like all the scenes of them kind of all the most awkward scenes <laughs> of them kind of <laughs> sitting around outside or like walking through a hallway. That the that was shot where I got married. Where, where they're sitting down talking looks like exactly where you got married. Yeah, <laughs> and that's literally where. We, yeah, outside. Yeah, yeah, that probably was where we were um, standing. I think what Alex is trying to say is that a lot of stuff is shot there, and that you're basic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Scream Three. I think was in part shot there. Uh, Scream Three is one, and Patty Cassie's one. Yeah, yeah. It's all. It's all listed on the the Wikipedia. Um, so just basic stuff about this. This was a single. Um, the B side of it was the number of the beast, which you know they had played yeah. earlier, sung by Sweeney, an acoustic cover of Iron Maiden. Six, six, six. The number of beasts. Hell and fire. Respond to be released. 
um, Freedom Ain't What It Used To Be was also on that single, I believe. Look before you leave, watch the company you keep, never fall asleep. Freedom ain't what it used to be, ain't what it ought to be, it used to be so free. Freedom ain't what it ought to be, ain't what it used to be, I can't even think. Yeah, and you have that single, right? I do. Yeah. I have it. Uh, it's right over here somewhere. Somewhere. We got some swan swag uh, <laughs> sitting around as we record this episode. Don't worry about it. Don't get it. Look at this. Um, this this song starts with something that kind of annoyed me at the time that's very much of that time, but from like mid-90s, or I would say early 90s to like up until like 2010s of like that like um, high pass a filter like right, you hear right. it like where it sounds like it's on a radio or some or a yeah, phone yeah and it does like the repeating that i believe right i don't <laughs> it for some reason it annoys me yeah but i, I love the rest of the song i hear what you're saying <laughs> yeah i feel like that they do that elsewhere on this album i'm not remembering yeah, yeah but it one seems like more it. organic as opposed to being like a pop uh, trick, you know what yes. I mean? Right, right. Yeah. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. The intro part does feel like they flew in some guys from Sweden to produce that one little. Part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Definitely. Like we got the Matrix here to yeah, give yeah. You know, give some input <laughs> on that very uh, beginning part. I mean, I I will say that I think I th- we talked about this before, and I've said the joke like honestly, but like honestly, I I think this is probably my least favorite on the album which is funny that that's a single yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and that says a lot about the content that that's how strong the content is on this album uh maybe it's just because it was a single and i got a little sick of it and i didn't love the video and i no offense pat um <laughs> and I, it seemed uh, like the band didn't love the video either it really well watching that dvd extra you had mentioned this before watching the video it does feel a little put on like the friendship a little bit and like right. they were getting along but it does but if you watch that dvd extra they recorded it like I, I don't know when they recorded, but everybody looks like I don't want to do this. Right. And right, then when they yeah. they're asked like, "What is your what is Swan?" or like, mm-hmm. "What are the different Swans?" and people are like frustrated. Yeah. And yeah. they're like, "I don't even know." Yeah. And it's like, "What's going on here? What's what's this feeling here?" So I think like the video and I don't know, maybe that has too much. I think the video has too much weight on my opinion of the song mm-hmm. and what I think or know about Swan afterwards. But I mean, otherwise, it's a uh, it's a good song. I like it. Um, oh, t- t- uh, to your point, Alex, this says here, one of the notes I have here is like, honestly, as a rock song in the key of D major, musically, it bears some similarities to the chord yeah. progression of Corgan's comp- compositions today in the chorus chart oh, yeah. rock. Yeah. So uh, it just that the guitar parts liberally use a flanger effect. Uh, that was also, we should, uh, as always, uh, we wouldn't be able to do this show without spcodex.wiki mm-hmm. and spfc.org, where we get a lot of this information. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah that, that yeah. flange comes in, flange very Nirvana-ish in a way. Oh yeah, um, like the the guitar solo and breed how it like floats in and like one headphone to the other. Yeah, um, yeah. As I feel for sure. I love mm-hmm. that. Um, I always am a sucker for flanger on a on a song. Uh, did you ever own a flanger pedal? I did own a flanger pedal. Which one? I wanted the, the Boss. Was it purple? Yep. The purple yeah, Boss. Yeah, 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 that's what I had. I had gotten it because it was listed in the Melancholy book that it was used on uh, 
not poor Selena. It was used on um, Through the Eyes of Ruby. Oh, really? I believe. And then also I had read that Prince had used it, too. So I was like, oh, that's yeah. the one for me. Hell yeah. yeah. It even has like a guitar lick towards the end that is like the solo of Chair Brock. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, I like the layers that builds. Uh, yeah. Uh, that chorus sound will come back later in the album. We'll cover that. But uh, yeah, I, I, overall, I like it. I yeah. I, uh, I really dig the harmonies. Like, it kind of feels almost like the, um, like the Corgan pause, like, harmony. It almost has, like, a. Maybe I'm re- I'm just, like, saying this because she's in the Pixies now, but sort of a Pixies um, Doolittle album vibe. Like, totally. that level of, um, you know, uh, Kim Deal backing vocals. Like, yeah. I'm just a sucker for a great like male female harmony, and I think the, it you know uh, it sounds really nice when they're singing together. And I was psyched at this time because I wasn't really up to date on the the uh, the bootlegs that were happening because I wasn't quite my internet connection wasn't great, so I wasn't <laughs> able to download a lot of those shows like some people who were on the boards were, mm-hmm. like a lot of our listeners who had all that stuff downloaded. So I was like, this was like pretty much my yeah proper introduction to Zwan was that single and I was like oh, I'm too. psyched I'm yeah like, I like, let's, see, let's go I think I knew there was a new band called Zwan but I didn't have any I think until I got the album I was not I yeah not listen to anything um yeah so any final thoughts cool tune man yeah <laughs> all right um well it's a sunny day I guess we should give some thanks to El Sol soul uh i enjoy the song as i was listening to it twice uh, i like the shuffle feel to it on the drums yeah and um this is such a dumb note like it was reminding me of another song and i was driving myself crazy trying to figure out what the other song was and i couldn't figure it out so it does not really help <laughs> for me to say that at all we do that all the time on here <laughs> yeah. so don't worry about it sounds it. Yeah. like something i don't know what it We're is like, yeah, I, keep got- listening, and like, I can't figure it out uh yeah pat what do you think yeah i always dug this song um it it has that sort of Zwan thing of sort of like, you know, a little sunshine, you know, that's all I wanted, a little sunshine and, and some tea, like love song type of feel. But um, yeah, I I always dug this song. I guess it's like, it's, I don't know. It's, a, it's interesting. Like the, it still feels um, a little standalone. Like these songs up top, like the first it's like a single stacked on. Yeah, top of yeah. Other. They don't. They they fit together, but they don't really like talk to each other. So each one's sort of like a re, a refresh kind of. Um, and again, my favorite parts of this album are when you can kind of get start to get lost in it. So I feel like I'm not quite. I like all these songs so far, but I'm not. El Sol is not quite where it like lifts off for me quite yet. First time I heard it, this was like an immediate favorite. I was like. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but there's something about those jangly guitars and that rhythm like you were mm. talking about. But there's just something that hits my sweet spot that I was just like automatically in love. And then listening to it last night, 
I was hearing layers that I hadn't heard before because I was listening with headphones and like listening a little bit more closely. Mm -hmm. There's a lot that's good on this, and I also like the song live um, when we heard it uh, during the Glass House show. Yeah, like, even yeah. After that, uh, but yeah, the 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 lyric "Butter My Toast" is such a cheesy lyric but i it really sticks with you but i really can't help but love it that that's another one where the lyrics have like burned into my brain um more so than a lot of the other songs on here yeah the butter my toast line i mean i feel like if a lyric ends up sticking with you for 20 years like there's it's even <laughs> it's, if it's it sounds, effective yeah. yeah even if you don't know quite what to make of it at the time like it's an effective lyric yeah it's funny they um they did cover um was it don't let me down yeah mm -hmm. uh from the let it be sessions and also like the, the butter and toast and tea references do make you think of let it be and get back yeah and like, <laughs> totally. i mean there's a lot of that era of it's so funny that this documentary comes out at the time that we're kind of covering this stuff because there's a lot of beatles like nods and yeah. comparisons in this for sure zwan album yeah i even mm -hmm. think the zwan artwork isn't beatly but it's more like apple records yes like exactly late 60s early 70s would have been on bad fingers well yes. i mentioned wings earlier like this being billy's wings but then i i i I thought about it and I was like, there's a really good chance he had this very same thought, you know, like when oh. he was like, I'm coming off of this huge band, you know, what has went like, I'm, you know, a, a, a Swan has bit a Swan has big wings, you know, like this is my wings. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if Billy had that same line of thinking, but he's more of a John fan. I think, of gathering from his interviews, but yeah, that, I mean, we, wings was more of a like silly fun, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Probably more yeah. John, but I think somebody who's very aware of like rock mythology and how things work, yeah. and knew that like this band would be perceived as oh, wings. Yeah. I'm sure like, totally. he's aware of that. That's where it feels a little meta or a little bit like. That's where I question the um, sort of like earnest, like um, f religious conversion that he went through, <laughs> as opposed yeah. to like sort of a new idea that he has. Right. It's I'll almost like to I would say like almost to his detriment sometimes that he. Uh, tries to play the rock mythology game like i feel like even yeah. with melancholy it's like okay you have your big breakthrough with siamese dream the like traditional thing is like the nirvana route of like we're going to go back to basics like green day did that weezer did that but he's like no i'm going to do like the biggest thing ever yeah yeah <laughs> i think he's almost seeing it as a chess game always of like how can i right, like, beat right. the rock mythology move yeah yeah and is like thinks about that a lot i would imagine i, I think it's probably hard to bring a bunch of bandmates completely along for that ride um all the time yeah yeah why it doesn't always work out but he's got that vision and he wants to go there and <laughs> just doesn't care how he gets there mm -hmm. yeah. um yeah i mean any any other thoughts on el sol it's a cool song cool man Alright, the next track is Of a Broken Heart. Until I die of a broken heart, I'm broken heart. Until I die of a broken heart, I'm broken heart. Until I Let's see you smile, cause I'm not impressed with your loneliness. 
The Broken Heart, Alex. Well, I remember when I listened to that episode, you said you loved this song and played it on your radio show. Good song, feels Fleetwood Mackie to me. Yeah. And uh, I'm just of a mind of like, I like to rock. I'm like, let's get to the. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I, know yeah. how, I know how good of it is a good song, but I'm like, I'm having fun on this album. I'm going to take a slight detour. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, it is a little out of place because it does fit more. It's the one track that's like the uh that both jolly swan and zwan mm-hmm. played so it makes sense that yeah it does kind of pump the brakes a little bit on the album yeah in terms of like album sequencing it is like the proper thing to do like oh we're gonna throw this number in here like this is gonna break it up a little bit um but i feel like we're like building ahead of steam with the rocking songs mm-hmm. and this is like a slight detour on its own out of context great song uh beautiful guitar playing on it um, yeah but like in the rhythm of like listening to this as an album as a whole, that's, my, yeah. that, that's just me though. That's just my no. I, I think it's a good point because uh, um, the the thing I was noticing or I mentioned earlier, like when you listen to this on headphones, you can hear, and when they certainly when they play it live, it's much more of a Sweeney forward. Um, his backing vocals are much more part of it, yeah. and that's sort of a more mellow set anyway. That you know the uh, the, the like when they had played it live in the. Uh, Jolly's, Jolly's one era form formation. Um, but anyway, it I guess it like I was gonna kind of list that as a criticism that you know Sweeney's vocals are too low, or I'd like to hear them more. But I guess it's a fair point that like he's got a sleepier vibe where this album really doesn't. It's a it's a energetic like morning coffee kind of album. So yeah, it's maybe tight. it just t- doesn't quite fit. You know. Yeah. To have his vocals like more front and center. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that uh, hearing the live version versus this version now. Yeah. In that context. But I still love it. I, I love the kind of uh, Tuesday's Gone kind of guitar vibe that it, with the solo that it has. I've always, for some reason, the lyric, uh, because I'm not impressed with your loneliness, always stood out to me. It was always like one of my like favorite Corgan lines. uh, Uh, It kind of speaks to like um, his sort of like throwing away all the gloom of the 90s thing. You know, it's like and it's a fair point. It's like, okay, when it becomes such a formula, it's not impressive anymore. Yeah. Just the tones of the chorus and the tremolo type of guitar on top of it. I don't know. It just adds the dimension that the live version didn't have. So I like kind of go back and forth with which one I like now. But it's a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. Like, I, I agree with you, though, Alex, about like how it kind of does. But uh, we'll get to this in a minute. But like, I do think that the next track kind of helps push it back up mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, any other thoughts on Of a Broken Heart? I love it. We've talked about it before anyway, so yeah, yeah it's cool. Until I die, have a broken heart, have Next track is Ride a Black Swan.
Right a black swan. Alex. After of broken heart, I'm like, hell yeah. Let's mm-hmm. do this again. Yeah. <laughs> it's you I don't I don't know if I've listened to it, the Iron Maiden cover they did, but like it's this great. has that Judas Priest Iron Maiden gallop to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I have to imagine that like when they're recording this in the studio, they're like laughing their asses off. Because like as a somebody who plays drums, it is like such an eighty hair metal beat mm-hmm. that like pops up in this song. Uh, and it sneaks theme. up, yeah. And it's to me looks like that gallop is like really funny mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I dig the song for that for like the yeah the '80s metal uh, gallop feel to it. Mm-hmm. It's that it's that uh, tapping of the hi hat like yes. that 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 part too like that ding, 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 ding. like I always yes. love that shit. Yeah, it's, it's cool. Yeah, I love this song. This is an amazing. This one like really like I feel like this is when the album starts to really like take off for me. Um, Same. The harmonies are so great. Like. This is what this one made me think of Doolittle a little bit. The album Doolittle, like maybe it's Debaser or something that it reminds me of. Like I the, could see Debaser, yeah. The like guitar sound and the um, just the kind of wall of sound is what like along with the harmonies. And of course, I'm also probably projecting that um, one of the two people singing is actually in the Pixies. I never thought of I like, made the Pixies connection. Obviously, with Paws being in the Pixies now, but like Swan does have a Pixies feel. Yeah, the yeah, especially with the two the you know where where she's singing on the track, like the kind of ratio, you know. The, the kind of like Billy to to pause ratio. Yeah, I love that driving energy and how it just like I like how it kind of slowly you hear Jimmy, you know, and then the kind of mix comes up and then mm-hmm. it just bursts in. So it's yeah. like just that burst of energy is amazing in the song. Uh, listening to it this time, uh, there was a part at two sixteen where there's a little guitar part that almost sounds like Crazy Train. Yeah, yeah. It, to play into what you were saying, mm-hmm. Alex. Yeah, it's funny, like those moves, like the crazy train, Aussie move, or like the Judas Priest beat, like those are things you wouldn't do in the 90s. Like, right. Like, yeah. Whoa, what yeah, the, yeah. But for some reason, like it's okay now to embrace that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we were talking about last time too. There was like a real, um, it feels like Iron Maiden specifically be, like came real, like back into vogue like in a big way in the early 2000s there were so many maiden t-shirts that people were suddenly wearing i don't know maybe i just wasn't noticing them before but this band the the, funnily enough the maiden cover they do is very like mellow and acoustic it's like not metally at all but um yeah it feels like there was like a new found appreciation for what wouldn't have been like cool enough to like for sure yeah i think at this time Tenacious D was huge. They're That's like true. At their peak. Yeah. And yeah. similarly, go to bring Dave Grohl up again. He was doing Probot around now. Yeah. Which was yeah. A metal project. I think they're playing with like, Queens. Yeah. 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 And played with Queens sometimes. So there was this like feel of like, oh, it's okay to like metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. This was a real weird time or interesting time in yeah. music. It was like sort of a like, what are we going to do now? Exactly. I feel like are rock over. was kind of dead. And it's like, okay, what can we like Frankenstein together? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned Jimmy Eat World earlier, and this track kind of feels similar to Sweetness to me. Right? Because it has that same kind of like uh, that drive to it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, there are elements of this uh, that remind me of early Jimmy Eat World, and for sure, I think all over this album. Yeah. The music of the time. I guess I paid more attention to uh, the lyrics this listen, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I put down, uh, "Wolf, I feel these lyrics," uh, just because it says, "As the world goes round, 
It's got me thinking that the things I want just keep me sinking down. Mm-hmm. As the world goes round, it's got me thinking that the things I want will keep me sinking down. Yeah. It's just repeating that. But like, there's something about that, like the things that I want will keep me sinking down. Mm-hmm. They can't like help, especially during this time we're in. It's like, you know, I'm kind of like very scant on work these days, but just being like, oh, and I'm talking to Pat before this being like, you know, I we recently made a trip to Iowa. You know, back to where my wife kind of his or her family is, and uh, just kind of being like, "Oh man, do we maybe we do want this suburban life." You know, like maybe yeah. we want to mm-hmm. move away from here, and like how tied I am to like my profession and yeah. like what's like. Well, this is my life. This is what I want to do. But then being like, "What am I getting out of it?" You want a range life. I want a range life. Yeah, bring it back. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I kind of felt like some relevance in listening to these lyrics too. It just it feels kind of relevant to the times too, a little bit. Um, yeah. And then certainly you could see where like this kind of feeds into the whole Zwan, you know, um, premise a little bit. Like Billy coming off of this, like you know, being on top of the world, but we all know how riddled with like you know difficulty that seemed to be for him so yeah. yeah and that i want us to solve our distrust of everyone and trust in god i was gonna there point out go. that lyric because that kind of gets into like his kind of because we all know that he's a very spiritual person at this point he really was diving into mm-hmm. religion but as we know it's kind of a nebulous right. religious thing and the idea yeah. of god that he's really into he's more spiritual but um also they really love to slow down at the end on this record don't they mm-hmm. yes the yeah the there's like yeah. that yeah. and key changes the kiss key changes too kind of a little bit that, mm-hmm. that shows up yeah, uh, but yeah, that that's, that slow down at the end. I was like, oh, we've heard this. That was a, one of the patterns I noticed on this. Yeah, don't hate it for it, but uh, just something I noticed. Yeah, another kind of like um, this and desire, obviously, kind of has like similar ideas about like you know the things you want, sort of like being your prison, kind of. Yeah, but kind of George Harrison-y, you know, like. I mean mine or like you know just kind of feels like his like um you know his religio it feels like a George Harrison level of religiosity as opposed to like actual Christian rock that is happening throughout this um, yeah this album well that was that song and this is Heart song. Just be shy. No more. No less. Let love confess to you what you must do. Heart song, Alex. Well, okay. So in the, like the, again, in the context of listening to this album, like I'm rolling along. My only note on this song is fine. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I know, I know, it's a great, like, beautiful song. And I don't mean to, like I'm again a bad judge of this song because I know like so many people probably this might be their favorite song on the album. But to me, it's like doesn't connect. Cause, like I want to keep rocking. And I know, I know, like the rock is right around the corner, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want to get back to it. Yeah, I guess it's not. Um, it's not totally my favorite either. It's a little bit like. Not it's like kind of in between paces, sort of like for the album. Like it's not totally slow. It's not it's not nearly as rousing as the other, you know, more rousing ones. So I, I feel what you're saying. It's not my least favorite, but it's not my favorite. 
So I'm going to be the odd man out here. This is one of those songs where it just hit me at the right place at yeah. the yeah. time. Because like I used to skip this song all the time. Like This is boring. But I think after covering Machina... And this being such a nod to the cure, you mm-hmm. know, like, and then we're going to get back to the cure nods again uh, later in this album. But man, like, something about this, like, felt like a Machina era track to me mm-hmm. with the keyboards, but the, the cure k- keyboards are what, like, kind of does it for me. Yeah, like, yeah. And the sound of the, it almost sounds like the in my, in my body. God, what's the uh, that acoustic track that has like just chorus soaked in on Machina Two? I'm um, losing the I'm losing the third. I'll just probably drop it in. That that chorusy type of acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. There's something about that in the combination of the the keyboards and. I don't know. I, I think there's just something about it. For some reason, I was like, oh, I get it now. And mm-hmm. I was into yeah. it. I like what they do with the Billy vocals, like the sort of um, Billy backing vocals sound really good. It sounds kind of insular, like, it, you know, yeah. but in an intimate kind of way. Just be sure. No more. No Well, up until a few weeks ago, it was like 90 degrees here, and it almost felt like it was going to be an endless summer. Endless Summer, Alex. I have my note on this is dope track. Mm-hmm. Uh, this sort of kicks off like a, a little medley of like power pop songs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love Jimmy has some really kick ass drum fills in this. And there's a chiming sort of Beach Boys guitar sound that comes in and out, which I love that. Again, back to the uh, the Baby Were Born, Maybe Were Born to Run earlier. Endless Summer is a famous Beach Boys compilation album. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is still, like <laughs> some nod to like yeah. the that, Beach yeah. Boys and. And also, uh, again, a move that like wouldn't have been cool five years earlier, but like at the end of the song, it's like rips into this like slash shredding mm-hmm. solo. I love. It sounds that. like Slash is cameoing on the album. Yeah, uh, it's probably Billy. I'm guessing. Um, yeah, it's really shreds hard at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the song rules.
this song feels like it's pulling off what maybe so, like the um this has like an effortless i don't know like this feels like it's achieving the zwan mission statement in like a way in a way that doesn't feel um labored at all it feels like really like you know i don't know it feels like zwan like as it was meant to be rather than maybe like what it became anybody else here when they say like let me go ways my time that kind of sounds like the honestly chorus a little bit yeah it does. I, I, yeah. I have like that i've always noticed that kind of similarity no yeah it definitely does no yeah place, but I, and then it's like let me go away there's just like it's slightly different let me go i also there's a couple of moments on this album where i'm like you, we. I don't think I answered you, Pat, earlier when you said, "Oh, do you like the na na na?" Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, there are a couple like little or la di da things. There are a couple little moments on the album where I'm like, like that low pass or the high pass filter of like mm-hmm. I believe. In this one, it's the haze. Oh okay. Uh, the hay. Like yeah, I yeah. don't love that part, and we'll get to yeah because I really have an issue with some <laughs> of this stuff. But that being said the sum you know like the 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 overall picture i really love and i feel like the lyrics almost are commenting on like the 90s a little bit because it says Mm -hmm. did we go on too long did we listen too close to a youth built strong with things children shouldn't know Mm -hmm. i knew a lot of shit that children shouldn't know thanks to 90s music (laughs) (laughs) right exactly i was suicide and stuff was like very at the forefront of my brain it's like kind of just part of like oh music Listening yeah. to all these people who are like on the verge of committing suicide. Yeah, it's like, like a weird. It has a weird effect on you, probably. Yeah, as I listen to the downward spiral for yeah, the yeah, time. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, but you don't understand. He goes through it. It's like no, no. I probably heard uh, something else. Um, yeah, I just I love how he sings that last part on that lyric. It says that because when we rule, everybody dies. Speaking of darkness, everybody dies, but like yeah. I just love the way he sings that. That's great. Uh, yeah. And I actually do like the background Yaz at the end of this song, towards the end, that like Paz and or, mm-hmm. uh, Sweeney's probably singing. I really love this song. It's really cool. Um, yeah, it's fun. I think it's a great placement on the album, too. Again, I think this kind of plays into what you were saying, Pat. Like that second half is really great. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not like we haven't been doing it uh, thus far, but baby, let's rock. You can kick, you can cry, you can bust, but let's rock. Baby, it's the time of you to go and grab your brand new shoes. I don't care what I and what I can't do now, I'm tired Baby, let's rock. Um, Alex, what are your thoughts on Baby, let's rock? I mean, like great power pop song reminds me of like yeah, you mind like the cover up being like Badfinger, just like Mm -hmm. like straight up power pop. Um, One of two consecutive songs with an exclamation mark at the end. Yeah, (laughs) that's pretty wild. Pretty wild. If the Pumpkins had that, Pumpkins had a punctuation. I don't think they. It was just all the weird spelling, but never really punctuation. I like here. Here are. Uh, to me this is like a bing bang boom of uh, song song titles and ideas for songs that you just would not have seen as smashing pumpkin songs up to this point 
um, Endless Summer, Baby Let's Rock, and and yeah. I mean, like he, you know, I'll, I'll talk about yeah when we get to yeah. But um, oh, yeah, we forgot to mention, uh, not to go back, but Endless Summer, the riff, uh, according to SP Codex, oh, we yeah. Uh, the riff heard in the intro and chorus appears to originate from the melancholy era song A A flat E B F sharp. Okay, so it's like to bring up real quickly, I do to like also call back to the Get Back documentary. I have to imagine with the amount of songs Zwan had, that mm-hmm. most of these had Pumpkin's origins. Yeah, probably. Like, inside, there's yeah. No way. Because you guys talked about like, oh, there's a two year period from the first Zwan show to the record, but really it's one year because it's like November yeah. to January. And like, there's no way you could write this many songs in that period of time. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, the time between the Pumpkin's final show and Zwan's first official show was less than a year billy was still yeah. writing new pumpkin songs like up to the very end of the pumpkins so yeah. like totally yeah so i'm sure like yes yeah, some of these are like zwan originals but i would imagine most of this like and get back is stuff that sort of like carried over from right. another era which was one of the most amazing parts of get back was listening being like oh you uh brought all things must pass and they're like yeah we can't figure it yeah, out you take I know. it yeah, yeah. <laughs> crazy but baby let's rock i mean to me at that time like again uh, I don't know where I was mentally or what what was going on with me in uh, 2003 uh, at this time, but like I thought it was too cheesy for me. I couldn't get into it either. I couldn't get I'll, into it. I thought I couldn't get past it. I couldn't get but past, now. Yeah. But now, now I'm yeah. like, baby, let's rock. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm I can, into it. I feel like I was the same way, but I, I will say I I I think I feel like I got it. I got what they're going for, but I would often skip it. I just what like wasn't in the mood for it. Um, but it's but man, it pays off if you it, like listening to the whole thing is really yeah. worth it. Well, even the beginning, kind of speaking of the Beatles, does feel like a nod to Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Completely, and it kind totally. of even sounds like it sounds yeah. like yeah. Yeah, uh, but the part that that i don't know if it's i guess technically technically it's not the chorus but when it says uh, baby is there time for love's part where like pause is singing that background vocal mm. that sounds to me like sink to the bottom by fountains away Oh, yeah. I don't know if you yeah, remember that yeah. song. But a lot of fun riffs. Uh, love the harmonized shreds. It's just a shameless rock song. Yeah. And I, I love that. There's a lot of humor built into or there's like a sense of humor that comes with this song for sure. Yeah. There, this feels like this is truly them doing the like, you know saying to each other baby let's we love to rock let's do it why why not rock yeah to bring up malchemist again a few years after this malchemist has a song called baby come on exclamation mark Mm -hmm. which there and that also makes me think of one time i'd read an interview with beck where beck said that his favorite bob dylan songs are the throwaway love songs like don't have deep profound lyrics like there's a dylan song tonight i'll be staying here with you 
Cause tonight I'll be staying here with you Straight up love song, no like mm-hmm. Shakespearean references or anything. And Beck was like, that's my favorite kind of song by him. This is like Corgan's take on that of like, this yeah. is a throwaway yeah. I love you song. Which there is an art form to that. It's not easy to do it well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't really ever try to do it ever other than right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, hey, this is a positive, upbeat, I love you song. Right. So it's like, let's rock and have fun. And uh, he, he does it pretty well. Yeah. All I can say to that is, yeah. <laughs> what I want is what you want, but what I want is more. I'm tired of the questions, I'm out of the skull. The drugs of my addiction, she's laying on the tiles of my flow. Yeah. Yeah, Alex. I mean, I could take the guitar out again, but this is like, to me, the riff feels exactly like Say It Ain't So by Weezer. Oh. Uh, when I heard it, that's like all I could hear is like, oh, this is the same. Yeah, it's like just kind of like different structure. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a rip off of it. It's just got, got the same sort yeah, of you're lounge saying that right here. You're, you're <laughs> accusing them. Everybody right into Alex. They owe royalties to Weezer. It just has the same like um, loungy sort of tempo and chord progression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave you everything. What'd you give to me? A pocket full of empty rings with diamonds that can sing. loungy fun song mm-hmm. has an exclamation mark yeah. I love this one I will say I don't know why exactly I love yeah so much but it's um, I was kind of thinking like I mean again it feels like um, no pumpkin song would ever like I don't think Billy would have ever been like allowed himself to write a song as simple as with a, a title and a chorus as simple as yeah, you know, like it would always need to be more complex than that or more like, um, you know, uh, meaningful. But um, this feels like I had a radical thought, which was that um, like this could have opened the album, you know, like, oh, I don't know. It, it just feels like it's it, this could also serve as sort of a Zwan mission statement. But it really rocks too. Like it's it's you know the build in this is like is really satisfying. Um, I think his vocals sound really pretty. The kind of like soft you know Billy vocals. So yeah, I'm a big fan of this one. The beginning grates on me still. Really, <laughs> the like yeah, like that whole part just like I don't know why I can't get past it, but it it for me it pulls through when it burst in and then all of a sudden the song takes on a different dimension yeah, to me. Yeah. and i was like oh i wish all of the song was this yeah 
But that's being super, super picky. I know we're going to get messages about that by somebody saying it changed their life or whatever. But uh, but it is like there are moments like that that like you can find annoying, and I, I totally get it. And it's But to me, those are the moments where what I appreciate is how of 2003 it is, like the beginning, yeah. honestly, where it's like, it just reminds me of like, oh, nobody does that anymore. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Probably for like for good reason, but it is like it puts this band like at a certain place in time. Mm-hmm. But I just really love the rest of the song. Yeah. I think the song, like, the rest of the song for me, like that's what makes me okay with that beginning part. Again, I'm being way too picky about this, but it's like we get cursing Billy on here where we kind of rarely get yeah, yeah. of a fucking kill, which uh, kind of stands out in a Zwan <laughs> album. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, whoa. Uh, but this one also kind of feels like to me the most kind of obvious of very, it's all Billy because even the backing vocals, it sounds like he's doing his usual like, Oh, this is Billy singing back up. This is just him doubling his vocals as opposed to maybe having the rest of the band do the backup vocals. Mm-hmm. Lyrically, it, it's funny because the chorus is so unpumpkinsy, but if you read the rest of the lyrics, it's kind of the most pumpkinsy song. Like, and it's kind of the it's got the most agreeable sounding title, but it's got kind of the most um, like negative, pessimistic, pessimistic yeah. lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I. I love the great soaring ending with that guitar part. Oh yeah, it's like awesome. it sticks the landing too. Totally. Yeah. 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 Well, that song certainly didn't leave anything to be desired. Desire. <laughs> the D was in parentheses. Yeah. Well, now uh, I'm like, I feel like I'm in high school and I forgot my homework assignment because I don't have a note written down for it. So I'll, I'll take this opportunity to tell the story of the one time <laughs> I interviewed Courtney Love for a cover story for Paper Magazine. Oh, yes. We got 20th about anniversary uh, cover for Paper. And I interviewed Courtney at her house and Billy Corgan came up. I think she may have brought it up, but her like, Courtney's manager walked in and heard us talking about Billy. He's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I wow. got thrown out of her house. That's crazy. Billy, and what year was this? This was 2015. So wow. talking about Billy Corcoran was off limits. It's so interesting. But that's around the time that they were doing the, the anniversary, like 25 or, well, I guess it was a little after, but they were like. years later. Yeah. So yeah. they've since, they since, because she performed with them in 2018. Yeah. It's Weird. so crazy how on again, off again. Like they have maintained a true like hot yeah. and cold relationship. For many, I, yeah. many decades. I would imagine the, the person who threw me out was like her manager slash publicist person. Just that like anytime she speaks in public about 
Billy Corgan, like it gets, it's a clickbait headline. Oh yeah, yeah. He just just knows, recently, like, right. I don't want that to happen. Like it, she'll she'll post stuff on Instagram about what the, like whatever '90s rock star, and it goes viral anytime she does it. Yeah, and I think they're just trying to avoid that. I got thrown out like they. She did call me like a couple days later to finish the interview, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Billy was off limits. So, so in place of talking about desire, told the story. Well, apparently, the most recent uh, clickbaity thing was that Violet, the song Violet, uh, was about Billy Corgan. Yes. And the sky was made of amethyst, and all the stars are just like little fish. You should learn when to go You should learn how to say no Um Yeah, well, well I, I love the song You know, I like I think the dreaminess of it Like, I feel like this starts to Um It carries me kind of into the next Like, epic uh, piece you know like i i just think this is a really beautiful song like the guitar sounds really good um the when they play it when i saw them live they there was more of a pause like like she would sing back up in a more prominent way i don't think you could really hear her on at all on the album but um yeah yeah i i i I think this is great i think the drums are awesome i think it's it's uh, like builds beautifully and like sounds really pretty throughout this one feels like the most like cure cosplay to me. Like this could have been a track on disintegration or like kiss me, kiss me, kiss me. Like yeah, it really does yeah. feel like because of the little guitar flourishes and like the guitar tone and the bass, everything about this. But it does also feel like a little bit of that time to be like, it almost feels a little calculated to be like, if this was a single be like, this would have been a hit on like adult contemporary radio. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like for the yeah. VH1 crowd, it really reminds me of, uh, have you ever heard of um, this British band called Three Colors Red? No. Mm-hmm. They had a song called Beautiful Day. Jonathan Glazer did this video that's kind of like, looks incredible, but it's a little cheesy, um, very pop, you know, mm-hmm. big anthem kind of mm-hmm. song. And this is what it kind of remind me of, but it's not as like, it doesn't feel as like cheesy to me. Um, I said the layer sounds uh, sounds are so good, uh, but it also kind of is re- because of the sound. It's reminiscent of like the 1979 single stuff, like the tracks that you would find on like yeah, that. which are so good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and those I, I put uh, those bow background guitar parts or so the Ebo uh, background guitar parts are really good. Um, yeah, it just feels like a disintegration track. It feels like mm-hmm. the Cure, and we all mm-hmm. know how we feel about the Cure. Love it. Yep. Yeah. Love the care. To give ourselves away. So please don't be afraid of anyone desires. But not my kind. Not my true. If I were ever to meet Jesus and I was going up to him, somebody would probably interrupt my conversation. So it sounded a little bit like I'm saying, Jesus, I...
say hi, I'm Frank. I love I love you. Yeah. I worship, I pray to you all the time. <laughs> but all that came out was I. Yeah. Uh, this is also paired with it's basically one track, Mary Star of the Sea. So let's talk about these two tracks together as one. Uh, so Alex, what are your thoughts on this? epic track i mean it is epic and i feel like I, you guys can tell me did the pumpkins ever attempt something like this like what songs the pumpkins catalog are like this like on, a, on this grand of a scale silver fuck yes um i'm trying to think from melancholy like i mean that would be like through the eyes of ruby or porcelain uh, mm-hmm. uh adore didn't really have but on machina you had Glass and the Ghost Children, yeah. which even, is a um, huge epic. Even on a door, I mean, for Martha gets a little bit like it's not. They've never had a track that was this long on the album, but they had a lot of songs where the live version would easily. Oh yeah, get into um, that territory. Get into like this, like fifteen twenty minute jam yeah. session territory. But as a like, but as comparative to before this album, yes. In Pumpkin World, it would be Glass and the Ghost Children from Machina. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, this one really distinctly, it's two, it has like two kind of movements. Um, to yeah. me, the, the, one of the it, like best moments on this album, and really, it's like, it's uh, such a bit like the, the sort of bridge between the two pieces is like the guitar. It's so like, you could really hear like the Paho kind of like proggy. It, you know just like beautiful guitar length that like mellow moment in between these two um so or not two songs but you know the two kind of movements of the song is just like such like awesome territory yeah alex what do you think what do you think i mean my main takeaway from the song is like the guitar playing is incredible yeah and but what i really take away from it is how important jimmy chamberlain is to billy corgan oh yeah yeah, for sure yeah the saying like your your band is only as good as its drummer like Mm -hmm. Billy Corgan has these incredible, ambitious songwriting ideas, and he can only realize them because of Jimmy Chamberlain. Like when you talk about hearing these songs live, like I would love to hear this live, but like, and Pumpkins live, like he carries this. Like you yeah. can't do this without him. Yeah, yeah. And his playing is insane on this. Yeah, it's insane. It's, it's really totally incredible. insane. And we talk about their music so much. Like you almost get you. You can almost get like. You can almost lose track of how constantly good Jimmy is because he is constantly that good, but he yeah. is he's totally incredible. It's like I looked at a couple interviews with Billy Corgan before this podcast, and it's he always mentions that he's talking to Jimmy on the phone. Like, yeah, I called Jimmy today. I called yeah. him. Like, yeah, I would yeah. call him every day too, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, man. like this guy yeah. is so good. Yeah, like, it's it's really interesting their dynamic and like the periods of time when they're not together mm-hmm. and like how the music kind of is formed. It's kind of, we'll get to it when we get to like Tear Garden and when we get to Oceania. Yeah. Oceania being like the kind of the best of that, but they didn't have Jimmy and they had Mike at that time. Mm-hmm. But you could, it kind of makes you wonder like, oh, what would a, the band have been? And again, right. we'll get to this, but if they had Nicole on bass and Jimmy is uh, on drums, I I kind of like, my mind is blown of like what that lineup could yeah. have been. But or those sessions or tear garden or uh, oceana even though i love oceana but we'll get to that uh, later but this uh this song is uh the return of cool jesus mm-hmm. as we talk about you know like the spiritualized or early brmc type of feel of cool jesus uh this is like an old standard or not standard what do you call it um like what traditional, is traditional uh, like song that gets you know morphed into this really cool rock song and i think that the layers are amazing how they add the instruments as it just goes on and on mm-hmm. um 
and the song just whips ass once like it all punches in it's just great uh i think i just didn't have the patience for this song at the time it came out i just didn't i was like i, I want to rock out to the white stripes and the vines you know <laughs> like i just right there was a lot of like um brief uh, sort of like um economical music like rock music happening at the time and this yeah. was like going totally the other direction and you guys know their influences way better than me because like I was listening to a lot of stuff that's like jammy stuff in indie rock was becoming more of a thing at this time, which was like a nod more to the dead. And this is not yeah. a nod to the dead. It's <laughs> no. no. like almost like a Jimi Hendrix style. Like we're going to really shred for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. Like uh, it is even to this day though, like we're all parents of young children and like, I'll see that track like the time. Like, okay. I got to like, Put things down. <laughs> like, oh yeah, it's a seriously. commitment to be like I'm going to sit here for yeah. 15 minutes and listen to this, but it's it's worth it. Right? Yeah, I could either take a shower or I could listen to. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this week I chose I chose the latter, and I I. But it's you know I mean, like the sh- the shredding that crescendos like there's a, like around the four minute mark, kind yeah. of before the wave crashes, and then you know it gets into it like mellows into the next section it's just like incredible i mean the guitar like this i feel like this is where you can you really get your money's worth on like the band members just like the pedigree and absolute talent of the band members on display and it got me thinking like this is so good that like there's there are extended periods where you don't hear billy singing at all and it's sort of like it becomes a different thing because it's it becomes this instrument this multi-instrumentalist like show that is super satisfying to listen to like in a totally different way like the pop stuff goes out the window yeah and so i think in in many ways like this is the best moment uh, on the album which probably a lot of people would agree yeah but, it's know. one it's literally one yeah, yeah this is it, it, you know it's like nothing it, the, you're you're um yeah you're getting your money's worth it, you know fully uh, in terms of like the talent that is involved i will say something that may offend your listeners which is that i Billy Corgan's voice for many is an acquired taste, but I yeah. do feel like this his voice is in its best shape on this album. I feel like oh. I think like there's something about like he feels like he's a lot like a weight has been lifted from the yeah. pumpkins. Yeah. And he's able to I don't know. There's more uh comfortableness in his voice. And I feel mm-hmm. like he's more confident in the singing here. Yeah. That's true. You know, and, because he every pumpkins album kind of post Siamese Dream, and I think he even said like he like he took singing lessons like pre-adore and stuff and kind of like was trying to be a more proficient singer like i feel like in every album he um was sort of changing or like updating his vocal stylings and this kind of just feels like the sum like just billy kind of like doing doing billy yeah i uh kind of to your point pat with like how it kind of goes into that it felt like a drown or starla Mm -hmm. where they kind of just let loose and just go um yeah, I just like the pumpkin-y jam stuff. Um, but it gets really blissful and beautiful. That's where Sweeney and Paho kind of like shine, mm-hmm. where you get to hear like their past work in there. Kind of wanted a little bit more of that. Uh, I wrote down here, okay, I've come around to Zwan. I am born again. Yeah. <laughs> like halfway it's through the song. It's a great moment like, yeah. to be born again. <laughs> this is probably the first time, I think the past couple of weeks, and especially last night was the first time in since this album came out, I think that I've actually sat down listen to it front to back Mm -hmm. the song and i was just like oh i just get it um i love the transition and morph you know um where you can hear sweeney uh in that and that you get the classic corgan fuzz 
mm-hmm. that just roars in that like kind of Siamese dream kind of rocket sound, you know, or not rocket the track, but like that like very heavy big muff meets yeah. that push behind it. I think it's so good and the lyric everything just feels like rain kind of already has oh, its yeah. weight to it, you know. Layers are amazing. Uh, I love the thickness. Has that weird sci-fi guitar sound too. At one point, I just really love it. Um, and I love this these lyrics. These lyrics like really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. If I should sleep, what's left to dream? Yeah, yeah. The the weird lyrics really work wow. throughout the song. Yeah. Like the first part, the Jesus I part. Um, but this I, everything about the the kind of like um, what I view as the premise of Zwan like clicks here, you know. It's like it, and yeah, it's yeah, it's incredible. It's the one track on the album where, I, like, in hindsight, I'm like, oh, this band had more in the tank. Like they could, yes. like, yeah. If you're able to, like, it's hard for musicians to pull off something like this. And if you're able to do this, yeah. like, there there was more for you to do. And it seems like this oddly, like, this hugely ambitious track has more of an effortless vibe than like like certain other more simple pop songs kind of weirdly smack of more effort than this like this feels like what this group of people like yeah is really good at doing naturally man and where it goes to i wrote down uh, i said how did i not dig this what an idiot (laughs) like i was like this is so good and like how jimmy gets playful with that kick drum it gets like kind of loose at the end and sloppy Mm -hmm. that's what you said it's like it feels like oh there's this is where I felt like Zwan was going to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I said, this would be so fun to jam on. I bet like, it just feels like that kind of Van Halen scratch staccato thing that they started doing at the mm-hmm. end. Man, what a great track. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, it's it's well, it takes you for a ride, and um, you know when you're about to go for a ride, you might ask someone to come with me. Come with me, Alex. Oh, again, I lost my homework on this one. And also, like, this is a song I do remember it though. You know, to have this one for me, like, it's hard to like follow up the last song. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, yeah. you need. I felt like you couldn't end the album on Jesus Eye, but like, you right. need something after it. And it's like, oh, we got it. <laughs> yeah, like, you need to, to like to take a breath after that. That was what I remember thinking about this song. It does that well, and I think it's it knows that that's its job, kind of. Like, yeah. it's a palate cleanser. Like, it's dessert after a big 
meal, kind of. It's I feel like comparable to Siamese Dream, it's the Luna and Sweet Sweet, you yeah, know, or Sweet yeah. Sweet and Luna of mm-hmm. this album, where it's like, yeah, it's a palate cleanser, and it feels like it's kind of come, it's coming out of the storm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it really does feel like yeah, it's washing you kind of back up on the beach after like being battered around a bit. Exactly, and like that harmonica really harkens back to um, the Beatles stuff that mm-hmm. we were talking about. But I, I, this was a song too. Again, like I don't know why at the time I just like would just not listen to it. And this one, I was like, this is a really great song. It's kind of quaint and it's, uh, I kind of feels like Granddaddy to me a little bit for sure yeah. in certain parts because of the like robotic, uh, how it starts and mm-hmm. then like where it comes back. You know, yeah, with, like, I had the never background. noticed a de- upon deep listening. I noticed that that robo voice does kind of come back as yeah. backing vocals, like later in the song. But I never noticed that. It's kind of cool. It feels like their Dylan-y Beatles type of song. Yeah, kind of feel- that's why I think it's part of the pillars of Zwan. Right, right. For this album, uh, love the harmonies. Even I- like Neil Young, trans, like early sort yeah. of like yeah. you know um, affected vocals. Yeah, it's. I think it's a great closer. But yeah, it's so hard to follow that up. But if you look at it in the context of like past pumpkins albums or past corgan projects it does feel like a, a sweet sweet and luna mm-hmm. type of ending to me but man what a great song yeah yeah but yeah the the harmonica has sort of a nice like um closing the album feel to like sort of yeah. a, like we're looking back on the fun we just had like, yeah you know closing it out yeah hey gang let's all gather around let's go march through the streets of chicago to the metro uh i typically am not too big on harmonica and songs like sometimes it's very grating to me but like it works here totally yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and i mean where else are you gonna find billy singing won't it be fun as a you know like <laughs> how often do you have that question posed to you in you know in song form yeah uh but that's the end of the album so yeah so i was gonna tease my takeaway and this is yes. purely me projecting and pat has already hinted at this but like zwan as a whole and like what this album reveals about zwan a couple things. One, because of the harmonica on the last song, reminding me of Neil Young. Mm-hmm. Yep. And to tie this into a little bit of a Neil Young story, uh, the first time my cover band, the Cinnamon Boys, played, the three of us have all played in bands throughout our lives. But we played at a backyard party, and all the songs we played got recognition applause. Like, as soon as you played the first riff, like, everyone would clap. Yeah. And we had never experienced that before. But the applause isn't for us. It's for Neil Young. Right. 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 So it made me think of, like, when I listened to that Glasshouse show, you guys comment that I listened to it too. That audience is going insane. Yeah, yeah. And I think what's kind of doomed the band from the start is as big as Chavez and Tortoise and Slint in a Perfect Circle are, they're not the level oh, of yeah. Pumpkins. And yeah. that applause is intoxicating. Right. And then when I listen to this album, as Pat pointed out, you both pointed out, my main takeaway, as soon as I listen, is like, oh, the mix is turned way up on Billy. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a Billy album. Yeah. I watched like video of them playing lyric and Paz's vocal is like louder than Billy's and she sounds beautiful singing, but you don't hear her on this record. Right. Like it's so low in the mix. And yeah. it's like And Sweeney's even lower. Sweeney's yeah. even lower. Sometimes I feel like is Sweeney even playing on these songs? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, no, that's I think yeah. a lot of it's like, is he playing on this? It's like why isn't Paz singing? She sings all these live and it goes back to that girl thing of like, this is Corgan's band. Yeah. And he's making that call and he's great. And he's like, if I want it to sound like this, this is how I'm gonna sound. But I can imagine like them recording it and hearing the mix and being like, oh, we're not really on this record. And then having to go tour it, like that tour probably not being a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Being like, oh, we just made not an album, mention, we don't hear it. So. Um, having seen that tour, 
And even in the, you know, um, Glasshouse show, people won't stop yelling Smashing Pumpkins requests yes. in the audience. So it's, to your, you know, to your point, like, it's a big, it you know, A, it's a big shadow to step out of. But, yeah, when that, like, when the, the audience is reinforcing the idea that, like, this person is sort of the most important aspect of this kind of supposedly band of equals, mm-hmm. you know, it's that's a tough formula to make work probably yeah it's kind of like it's heartbreaking to hear that applause because you know that like they must be so excited like oh this band's gonna be huge and it's like yeah. they're not as big as important as you are in the indie rock world they're not screaming for you right screaming for him yeah yeah and that i think it's like dooms it from the jump of like as great as this i think it's a really good album i think yeah. it's uh but yeah there's the way it's mixed i was like oh this isn't a collaboration of equals really right um he took charge of all the songwriting i think i looked up i forgot the guy who mixed it i think it's the guy who also mixed pumpkins albums i'm like mm-hmm. yeah bjorn yeah who recently passed away mm-hmm. yeah yeah and so i'm sure like yeah he's just like i'm gonna make this sound like i want to sound the same thing that we we're talking about dave Grohl doing with foo fighters like this is yeah. sound how i want well, to sound. yeah yeah and it's it's interesting too just talking about um jimmy you're men- you know how important jimmy is to billy like Jimmy is the only constant collaborator. And I mean, there were breaks, but like band to band, it's, you know, it's like, it clearly went without saying like, what? okay, so Billy leaves the pumpkins. What's he going to find like a better drummer than Jimmy? Or what's he going to like slum it with somebody who's like, you know, like, so, so Billy and Jimmy are going to be on the album. That's guaranteed. That's the only guarantee in terms of like a Billy Corgan project, pumpkins or otherwise. The only two people that you're definitely going to hear uh, when you listen to the album are him and Jimmy, you know, and and when you have like people that are this good that are, you know, like, uh, yeah, it's it's it makes total sense why this didn't work out. And yeah, the the Billy Jimmy relationship, like I think when you find a good drummer, it is like a marriage, like how the yeah. Beatles stayed with Ringo, like as long as they could, like he yeah. played on all their solo albums. And it's like, oh, if you're right. comfortable with this guy, like you're going to stay. Ringo's with the only constant, like yes. it's all post Beatles interactions or collaborations <laughs> yeah, were centered out, yeah. around <laughs> Ringo. He says a lot about Ringo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, um, yeah. And, and similarly, that's, I'm a big uh, Credence Clearwater Revival fan and they have an album called Mardi Gras where like for all their hit albums, John Fogarty was 100% of the vision. And the rest of the band was like, we want a voice too. And he was like, okay. That's yeah. like the worst record ever. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you do need, in a lot of these cases, like somebody carrying the vision. And like mm-hmm. in this case, Billy's that guy. It's unclear if like, yeah, you, you hear him tell the stories of like everyone's doing drugs and having sex. And it's like, yeah, you were kind of like off to the races with this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of left like everybody in the dust. And he just didn't last. But it's, in hindsight, it's like such a fun period in his career yeah 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 like is it's kind of like um i don't know like a spinal tap moment of like oh i did this like <laughs> yeah inside, like side project that like completely blew up in my face right but what you have left is like a really good album yeah yeah and i would say there's even it still did blow up but i feel like there's even like a spinal t- a little bit of spinal tap sense of humor baked into it like a little oh, bit yeah. of like yes having fun doing rock music but sort of playing with the idea of rock music and the grandiosity uh, that you know that they probably all like gravitated toward like when they fell in love with 
rock music, but it's like a little cheesy. You know, it feels like it's all baked into the the cake a little bit. And this is me projecting, but again, back to the Get Back documentary. There's a moment where they talk about what are people going to say about this moment in 50 years. Oh yeah, it does yeah. seem like Billy Corgan is aware of like how this is going to be analyzed. 20 mm-hmm. years now from where like this is like it is a funny he's in character doing this weird religious thing yeah he's surrounded by these like indie rock gods like it's a funny weird chapter in his history yeah, totally i feel like he's there now yeah like he really is like just like where he is like online and stuff and like with these reissues and i feel like we're in for a zwanazance <laughs> i really do feel like yeah. that because i think that with the when he re-releases the stuff i think people are going to give it a second look and hopefully uh, some of you listening who are big Smashing Pumpkins fans but kind of dismiss one will say it once, we'll say it again, we'll say it a million more times, especially when we cover the, the other stuff that we haven't covered yet. You have to listen to the live stuff. Mm-hmm. You have to listen to the live stuff. You have to give this album a proper listen front to back. And I think I really did come around to Zwan. I am now like a yeah. big Zwan fan when before I was kind of okay on them. Mm-hmm. The live stuff is... Uh, I feel like what the album could have been. Yeah. So that's always fun to listen to the live stuff because like yeah. the levels are there and like the Paho and Sweeney can step out and have these big guitar moments and you hear it. Yeah. Um, listening to some of the live stuff like around that time, I may have mentioned this to you guys that I saw Weezer play before the Green album. Oh yeah. And they played like 15 songs, like didn't end up on the Green album, but you had mm-hmm. this idea in your head of like, oh, what this is going to sound like. Mm-hmm. Turned out to be like fine, okay, but yeah. like uh, Swan kind of has that same thing of like listening to the live stuff. It's like, oh, you can like hear the potential. Yeah, has. yeah, totally. Yeah, so yeah. many songs in such a short amount of time that they they amassed. But I feel like you can't get the context of Swan just from this album. Like it really right, does totally. have to be the full experience to really appreciate. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, that's uh, Mary Star of the Sea. Uh, Pat, is there anything that we kind of missed on here? Oh, uh, cello on this album done mm-hmm. by Paz's sister or Paz's sister uh, Anna Lenchanton. Um, yeah, we talked about the Billy Burke. That you said you knew why it was Billy Burke. Well, it's in my review from college. I'm assuming I read it. So it must have been like in the press materials or something. Yeah. Um, right. It was like a character, like a pastor, a televangelist. Oh, interesting. I think it might have been like a real person that he was like using that name. I don't know. Oh. I haven't I haven't looked it up since. I'm assuming that like the CD came with a press release. And I just oh, one thing, one thing we didn't mention is that this album came with stickers. stickers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I still have them. Mine are right here. I have, I've never stuck them to anything. So well, well, I had, let's, let's see them. I've. Yeah, I had like a promo copy. That I don't think I had. Oh, I have my concert ticket in here too. Amazing. Yeah. And what date did you? What show did you go to, Pat? Um, Friday, March twenty eighth, oh three, two thousand three. The Iraq War. Billy even mentioned it. He's like, "Thanks for coming out because we just, you know, we just began a war today or this yeah, week." Yeah, started that weekend. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not that day. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it was a cool show. It was at yeah Hammerstein Ballroom, so pretty small, you know, especially you know compared to where you might have seen the pumpkins a few years earlier, but um, definitely people like yelling out, you know, Soma and stuff, you know, Geek USA and like stuff that just wasn't going to happen. Because that was in New York, was the Letterman and SNL stuff around that time or no? Oh, uh, that's a good question. We're going to watch the the Zwan SNL episode. um, Ray Romano, yeah, host. Yeah, um, it probably was. Was they done? Ladies and gentlemen, Zwan? (laughs) 
Uh, I think they have. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's There's definitely a, on there. For those yeah. of you who don't know, there is a Twitter account where it's just uh, the guest or the the host of SNL introducing music guests, and it's one of my favorite accounts. But yeah, the one uh, with Ray, I think we've reposted it. The one Ray Romano. Swan. Yeah, <laughs> Once again, Swan. I do want to say this DVD because I, I, I had to rebuy it because my CDs are in Texas, and I the only way I could list it was CD or whatever. But um. I, I bought the one with the DVD extra on it. It did come with stickers. It was sealed, but I think mm. I have the UK version. But anyway, but this DVD uh, basically has, has a second album, and it's got a yeah. lot of the stuff that like Danger Boy is basically all a Paho yeah, track, yeah. and like there's a lot of like it just kind of feels like I know a lot of people who got the DVD were like, what well, what about those songs? Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But um, anyway, great album. Uh, yeah. Alex, uh, thank you so much yeah, for joining us. On, yeah. And where can people find you online uh, if you want them to? Oh, uh, Twitter.com. <laughs> <laughs> and where do they look you up? At Alex Scordellis. You um, find me there. What are you working on right now? What am I working on right now? Good Lord. Uh, you don't have to. Christmas shopping today. Staying COVID free. <laughs> staying COVID and, uh, free. Yeah. <laughs> like to lock that up. Well, this will be out in the new year, but yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see where that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. They were on SNL two weeks later after I saw it. Oh, okay. oh so, cool. Yeah. I hung out in New York for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Alex, thank you so much Thanks, for guys. joining us. Yes. Alex Scordellis, everybody. It's been a long time coming. We're, we, yeah, we've been wanting to have you on for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being our uh, unsung producer. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Booked a couple guests. Um, and thank you all for listening. I mean, this, you know, this, I was telling Frank, like, recently, when we first started this podcast, I kind of always, you know, had my eye towards Juan. Like, it's going to be, ri- like, obviously talking about all the pumpkin stuff is great, but um, Zwan needs to be talked about. So it has to be. I think we're doing God's work here. That's right. And there's more Zwan to come because we're going to still be in Zwan season. <laughs> Zwan season ain't over yet. It ain't over yet. So there's, I mean, we're going to pick up, this was sort of the centerpiece, but like yeah. we're going to pick up all the Zwans and ends, Zwads and ends um, <laughs> that we haven't because there's a lot more stuff, you yeah, know, yeah. so we're going to pick up, pick up some more stuff. So you can find us on the socials on Twitter at Pumpkins Podcast, on Instagram at Smashing Pumpcast. Cast about K E S T and uh, on Patreon as well. Please yeah, sign up. Check you out can, our Patreon uh, vote for stuff like you did for. Yeah, let episode. us know what we cover in the future, and uh, yeah, get yourself a T-shirt too. Smashing Pumpkin That's shirts right. are available now. And we're brainstorming some more. Yeah, we got so. some more merch in the hopper, so stay yeah, tuned. Yeah, that's right. Patrons get first dibs, by the way. That's the them's the rules. So until next time, never lose that feeling. feeling.